What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face, episode 347 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host for the next couple hours of awesome video game discussion. Alongside me to do that is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hey. How's the week been? Pretty good. Demos. Yeah. Demos, it, demos. It's been a great week of playing games, folks. Um, I had been playing games while Not E3 was going on, and because we had these big Not E3 shows, I wasn't able to get them into the episodes. We have tons of games to talk about today. In fact, like six games we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. That's the first time we've done that in, I don't wow. know, like eight months or something like that. Tons of games to talk about. We're going to have our Not E3 awards in today's episode, although we have cut them down significantly to how we usually do. And we have, what, three categories total, something like that. Yeah. We're just going to have some tertiary fun with our Not E3 awards this year because it, it is an E3. <laughs> um, and we didn't get to play a lot of stuff either. And that generally was kind of a big part of how you handled E3 awards in the past was, was it playable? Was it not playable? Did they play it on stage? Did they not play it on stage? Was it pre-recorded? All that discussion is kind of out the window now with the way things are done now. Uh, so we've kind of cut back our uh, best of E3, best and worst of E3, I would add, mm -hmm. uh, because we do have one of the awards is a nefarious award. Um, so we do have a great show for you guys today. A um, couple things before we get going. I am feeling a lot better, Matt. I didn't even mention that mm -hmm. to you. In the last week, I have really turned the corner. Um, I have not had to take, I didn't even bring pain medicine with me, believe it or not. I took like an Advil this morning. I am totally okay with just that one Advil. I have cut back probably 70% on my pain pills in the last like week and a half. Yeah. So finally, things have turned the corner. I want to thank everybody who has sent me the positive vibes. This has been a nightmare. I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you. It's As I said, be, it sucks and it sucks and it sucks. And then one, one, someday, all of a sudden, you're kind of you okay. You don't feel quite as awful. Yeah. That happened for me in the last week. So again, I want to thank all you guys for sending positive vibrations, uh, hoping for my healing. Um, it has finally happened. I finally kind of feel like myself again. Um, it's been a long time coming. Again, it, the recovery was supposed to be one to two weeks. As of right now, I am six weeks post-op. That's how long it took for me to kind of feel like myself. So again, I want to thank everybody for all the support throughout all this. Uh, thanks for your patience right after I had the surgery with not getting a show for like a week and a half. All of it. I just want to thank all you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, and I just really appreciate all the support as I've gone through this. And again, it just feels great. Um, you start to wonder if you're ever going to feel normal again. Mm -hmm. You start to get scared. You're like, is this me forever now? Is this what I'm going to have to deal with? And then finally, there was one day where I woke up and I'm like, I'm not running to take pain pills. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's encouraging. And every day since then, I've started feeling a little bit better, a little bit better. So again, I just want to thank all you guys for all your support as I've gone through that. We should be good to go for the rest of the summer. Um, another thing, next week's show, we will not be live on Twitch. Matt can't do the show next week. Um, however, I do have a, maybe I should, should I keep it secret? Keep it secret. Okay. I have a secret co-host for next week's episode. And while we're not going to be able to stream it live, the episode will be live as normal in archive form on Wednesday morning. So I'm recording the show with the secret co-host on Tuesday, just like we're doing right now. Um, and then I'll have to build the show by hand after we finish the recording. Um, and then we'll have it live for you guys on Wednesday morning like we have Game Face every week for you guys. So I'm not going to spoil who uh, the special co-host is, although it's a pretty big deal, I think. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you guys are going to be really excited when you see who it is. So um, anyway, again, don't forget, we will not be streaming Game Face Live next Tuesday here at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Instead, it will be a pre-recorded episode, but you'll still get the next Game Face on Wednesday morning as usual. Matt, how has your week been? Um, pretty good. I'm trying to think what I did. Um, 
I played a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, how come? Because I'm trying to finish it before it. You still before. haven't finished it? No. The game's huge. <laughs> it's huge. But like, it's also the way you play, right? Yeah, I do mostly everything, but I'm trying to finish that last stupid Ragnarok DLC and then do the final, like, last quest mm-hmm. so I can get that 180 gig monster off my damn hard drive. Yeah. And probably never touch it again because 200 hours is enough. I have a, I have three games right now on my PlayStation 5 hard drive that I'm, like, at the end of the game. And I like Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Mm-hmm. I'm literally right at the end of the game, but I got I got stuck on a part where I died like a handful of times, and I just haven't gone back to it. Like, and you're right on PlayStation Five, especially you start looking at that hard drive space. You have to start making tough choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Final Fantasy 16 launches tonight, tomorrow. Yep, that's gonna take up guess probably. What, guess what I deleted to get room for that mm. without finishing it? Star Wars Jedi? No, no. Diablo? No, that's on PC. Oh. That's one of the reasons I got it on PC. <laughs> mm. Horizon Forbidden West. No. But... Because you were close to finishing You're in the it. neighborhood. Um, another open world action RPG? Kinda. Yeah. I just, mean... Just tell me. Big uh, God of War Ragnarok. Oh. I just sort of... I've sort of accepted I'm probably never going to finish that. Really? Game. It didn't didn't hook me. I, I talked about it whenever yeah. we covered it on Game Face. That it wasn't as good as the game prior mm-hmm. i am also i am at the very end of that and that's been sitting on my hard drive for forever i am gonna finish it though um so those are two games of mine that i'm right at the end of that mm-hmm. i need to cap off to get rid of the hard drive space so i yeah. can finish i it. did finish forbidden west and i like you know i'm like halfway through the dlc i do need to go back and and do that uh also if, if i had done that with horizon i would have just copied it to the external drive oh <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't but god of war i'm kind of like mm, yeah i don't know yeah Maybe I'll come back to it later, but like looking at the rest of the year, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee a moment in the rest of 2023 where I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back and figure I got a got a Ragnarok again. It's hard, yeah. yeah. Also, um, what's the other one? There's another one that I've been trying to finish for forever. Oh, um, what's the open world zombie game? Oh, not uh, Dead Island De- Two. I finished that. I was gonna say to, uh, Dying Light. Dying Light Two. Yeah, I've I, been like at the end of that for forever. And I, I deleted that from my Xbox this week. I was like, <laughs> you know what? It, it's not gonna. Happen. I'm not gonna make it. You have to make tough decisions, people. Um, <laughs> uh, before we get going into the show proper, and again, we have a big show, so we can't spend too much time on the open. Um, if you like what we're doing, head to Patreon.com/sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. Um, at our Patreon, you can pledge whatever you want. Even just a dollar a month makes a difference. Um, if you pledge $4 a month, you get all our content early. If you pledge $2 a month, you get Pactor Factor early. Um, if you don't have any real money, you can always help us with uh, Twitch Prime. You can figure out how to do that down below. If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can give us a free $250 every month. And you get Pactor Factor a week early with our patrons. So uh, check all that stuff out. If you're watching on YouTube, it's down in the description. If you're listening to the show on any of the podcast services out there, it's not that hard to figure out. Probably just best to go to patreon.com slash sifted. Um, let's see. We got some housekeeping here today. And again, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we have seven topics in today's show, which is huge for Game Face. Even though we have like three hours, it's hard to fit it all in. Uh, but here's some small news nuggets from the week. Um, once again, Xbox reiterated this week, Matt, that there will be no mid-cycle console refresh for Xbox. Until there is. Yeah. Do you, I mean, why do you think they keep repeating this over and over? Because they don't want you to wait. They want you to buy one Buy now. the hardware now. Yeah. Buy one for Starfield. Don't wait around for the inevitable upgrade or whatever. Right. I mean, it probably will be like two years away. But yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. And also, I think Xbox is going to try to introduce more of a incremental upgrade system. Like, I, maybe Sony won't go that way. 
But I feel like Xbox is going to try to make like a moderate upgrade kind of crawl be the mm. standard as opposed to a new system because sort of xbox one x was a huge leap over the xbox one it was that was a monumental change yeah xbox one was a lot had i mean xbox one terrible had a lot of bad choices <laughs> the weak hardware yeah weak hardware to slow ram slow ram was uh-huh. the main thing because they needed enough ram to hold all the set-top box crap to that it want they wanted it to do yeah so they they went with cheaper slower ram which hindered the whole system Gears Everything. Five on that that console still blows my mind. Oh yeah, I don't like, know how some, they got Gears Five. Some of the Microsoft the Game Studios guys, they, some of the Microsoft Game Studios teams pulled off miracles on that machine. It's really crazy. I mean, go look at some footage for Gears Five on the base Xbox One. It will blow your mind that that machine yeah. output that. It's really crazy. Um, next up, the FTC has fought an injunction against the Activision Blizzard deal. Even though every territory has basically okayed it, except for the UK and the United States. Um, the FTC, for whatever reason, really has its uh, panties in a wad over mm-hmm. this acquisition. Um, you think it's still going to go through? Yeah. I do, too. I don't really... I still don't really understand what the point is anymore. I don't either. Like, I, like if you're not going to hoard the big thing to yourself, I, you're just buying it for Blizzard? Or, like, what else is in there that you want? I, I just I, I don't understand what they're after. I mean, there is IP, obviously. There's IP, and I, maybe they just think there's a revenue stream from Call of Duty, no matter what's good to have, yada, yada. Well, but there's it, StarCraft, there's Warcraft. But the amount of money they're spending on this it thing. It really is outrageous. Like, If you're not getting Call of Duty exclusive, I agree with you. It's hard to understand the rationale for that price tag. I agree. Mm-hmm. but like, I'm sure there's revenue stream there, no matter what, if you it's all multi-platform or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's probably good, but how many? I'm just I'm curious how many years they think it'll take to recoup their cost of buying this thing, and is it worth all the negative publicity and all the legal fees they've? I mean, imagine all the all just the amount of money they've had to spend to fight this battle in the various, you know, the various uh, regu- regulatory courts bodies and, and courts yeah. across the world, like well, worldwide. I, yeah. Is it is it worth all that? I really am wondering. I, I agree with you. It's starting to not make sense. Um, the funny part was while we were recording Pactor Factor early last week. The New York Times called Pactor in the middle of the recording, and he did an interview with the New York Times while we were recording. And the New York Times reporter was, because Pactor was like, it's going to go through. It's gonna, mm-hmm. And the New York Times reporter, well, we refused to believe it. He's like, I don't understand how you're getting that. Like, I, and he's just like, I'm telling you, it's going through. Yeah. He's like, legally, there's no reason there's to stop it. There's nothing there to stop it. Yeah. None. They, I mean, you can, you can examine it as many times as you want. But, yeah. you know, it's not changed. The duck it's is the, the duck. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. So anyway, another bump in the road for that. Um, we got some information this week from Respawn. Respawn said that Titanfall 3 was actually a thing. Yeah. That they had worked on it for at least 10 months, and then they mm-hmm. bailed on it to work on Apex Legends. I mean, it's hard to... It's smart, really, in the end. But Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that it's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Apex is blown up. Titanfall 2 was a kind of a flop, despite being one of the best... Oh, it was a huge flop. One yeah. of the best, like campaigns ever yeah like it's one shooter, of the best yeah. best first person shooter but campaigns ever yeah um and i love i like titanfall a lot i like how it feels i like it's one of the few games of multiplayer where i actually play for any real i mean apex legends too apex legends feels good to play yeah. respawn knows how to make a game that feels good to play uh and like it's a shame but like think we're ever getting titanfall 3 Maybe eventually, when like kind of they feel the need to like feel somebody feels generous enough to sort of like give it another <laughs> shot. I don't think we ever but, will. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, the, the Titanfall universe still exists. Like, I think you'd probably call it something other than Titanfall Three. Yeah, probably something other than Titanfall. You think? Yeah, change the IP altogether. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like Apex Legends. Hell, 
Make it call, a campaign. Apex call it Legends. Apex Legends campaign. Titanfall or something. You know, like, <laughs> it's funny there's though. There's your winner now. Simple stuff like that though works. Yeah. Like you can fool people into buying stuff. Maybe they didn't think that they wanted to buy. Ah, we tricked you into buying a really good thing. <laughs> Seriously. If you, again, if you guys haven't played the Titanfall 2, go play it. The yeah, campaign go, go get is it amazing. for like $3 or something. Yeah, you can and, get it so cheap now, there's no excuse to not play it. Although I will say this, Matt. like The head of the game and a couple of things that are now very popular ideas in TV and film. Yeah. I will say this, though. the um, I don't know. Uh, forget it. Um, I, don't, I don't think Titanfall 3 is ever happening, though. I think some form of it might happen. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it, whatever it would be, I don't think it would be called Titanfall 3. Yeah. Um, but I could see them doing, like, a single-player campaign game at some point that is kind of maybe what, what Titanfall 3 might have been one at some point. Mm-hmm. But they'll just call it something else. Yeah. You can't, that 3 on the end of it is really your your killer. Yeah. Because, like, I was like, oh, I haven't played the other two. It was like, you know, just make it something on its own. Because there's no reason this concept and this gameplay can't be a hit if you, like, you know, call it something else is maybe a little more descriptive. Yeah. And uh, Titanfall is a cool name, but it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. So I, I think capitalizing on Apex Legends is success is probably, you know, worthwhile. Like, I think there's something there. This universe is interesting and it, it track. Also, maybe you'll have more success if you're, if your shareholders aren't counting on it to be like the next call of duty That's and true. it's just going to be a game. Yeah. It's totally possible. Uh, Expectations are key. They are. They make a big difference, for sure. Especially with EA. Yeah. Uh, Another smaller story from this week. Um, Xbox announced that while it is not going to pull off the team that's been working on Halo, it is going to bring in outside minds and influences to impact the future of Halo development. Is that a good idea, Matt? Better than what they've been doing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess my first question there is, do these new people get what Halo is? But it, I mean, let's the be old honest. People like, don't, it so doesn't seem cares? like the people who've been working on it really get no. it either. I mean, I am in the camp that Halo's done. Yeah, like, like it kind of feels like not it's everything over. has to last forever. Yeah, like let it go and bring it back ten years from now when people are you know, want it back or have. Some, I don't know though. Like the people, will there be nostalgia for the old Halos? Because I feel like the people that would be nostalgic for the good Halo era are already like forty. Yeah, and there would probably not be a ton of nostalgia for this era of Halo in 10 to 15 years. But you never know. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I think Halo had its moment, and that moment has passed. It was a big moment. <laughs> absolutely. It changed games. Yeah. Changed how we play games on consoles forever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be there. It's going to work forever. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, it, it, you know, it's a weird comparison, maybe, but it reminds me of how Hasbro keeps trying to bring G.I. Joe back. And it's just like, yes, G.I. Joe was the number one toy in 1982 or whatever. It was like, you know, the real American hero thing was a big deal in the 80s. Not anymore. Yeah. Like, that's not a play pattern or a, a setting or a, a, an idea that is of interest to modern people. Yeah, it's not. So, and Halo appears to have fallen into that camp. Halo kind of has some of that there, yeah. Um, we love it, but the young folks don't. I mean, I don't love it. I did at a certain I point. I did, yeah. sure, back then. You know, but I, I am very adamant, really, and was even at the time that like Halo Three was the end of the story, and uh, ODST is great, and Reach is great, but those are not continuations of the story. Yeah. And if you wanted to do more Halo, you should have done something completely different in the same universe. Yeah. Um, I personally would have started remaking the Marathon games. 
Yeah. Without calling them Marathon. We right. just say Halo 4 would have just been Marathon 1 remade in the Halo engine. Yeah, I can and, see that. Uh, and you're a Mjolnir 2. It's a prequel, like, but it would feel like Halo, and it would have that same kind of story-driven element that Marathon 1 had, except it wouldn't be all text in, in monitors. It would be actually played out more yeah uh with like audio stuff but like it would be it would have been better than just rehashing this crap yeah um and you would have given you new ideas and you wouldn't have expectations of who master chief is supposed to be because it'd be a different character right um you wouldn't be stuck with like oh i spent all this time fighting you know one of the things that i don't like about the modern halos is how much time you spend fighting enemies that are less interesting than the enemies i fought in halo one yeah i agree um the the what's it the prometheans are some of the worst enemies in first person shooter history the brutes are not as interesting as elites yeah um it's just not i agree good and and the flood i mean yeah (laughs) you can go on and on and it's just you know you're just sort of throwing good money after bad at this point. I'm really bad money after bad by this yeah. point. But I mean, I guess what we're getting. I at think here if Halo is it's a good thing they're work. changing things up. <laughs> I mean, sure, but like, does it matter? It may be too late to matter. Maybe someone in there has like the idea that needs to happen. I feel like, like Halo Infinite was kind of its last real chance. Yeah, like I mean, Halo Infinite was it was yeah it was all hands on deck. It was it was the best shot and it was a good try like, yeah, it was a good game yeah. yeah they they did the best they could but it's just it's not there anymore it's like it's like the flash movie it's like <laughs> you're, you're you're three movies late on rebooting that shit and no one cares anymore yeah like there's so too little many, too late there's so many little things working against you that it adds up to a big thing and yeah. i don't know if it's salvageable anymore yeah so i think ultimately Let it rest though, like fable yeah do the fable thing yeah I think it's good though that they're changing it up at least instead of just doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, they, well, I mean, they already did that three times, so yeah, four, five, and six were just sort of like, why isn't this working? But they were the same team, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like at least now they're willing to bring in some outside people to, with a fresh look, maybe or a fresh perspective. So it's not looking good for Halo people. I guess that's what we're getting at. <laughs> I mean, this is clear- what you do when you reach the desperation stage. I mean, they didn't buy all those other developers because they thought Halo was going to carry them through the next 15 years. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. Um, another smaller thing, Armored Core 6 was blown out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see the first raw gameplay uh, from From Software. For those of you who don't know, this is the next game from From Software, the studio behind Dark Souls and Elden Ring and all that kind of stuff. And I think the overarching opinion, because also the press got to play it a little bit at Summer Game Fest, it appears the overarching opinion is that Armored Core 6 is a lot more like Dark Souls and Elden Ring than people maybe thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for From Software fans, that's the exact dog whistle that they wanted to hear. Um, so I think all the information coming out of From Software over the last week about this game made the From Software fans mm-hmm. very, very happy. Which I saw that in the footage originally. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can see the Dark Souls you can see in it. here. Yep. There's more blocking. There's yep. more close combat. There was always the laser sword. but Right. Like, it was just one attack. It was just like one like quick, like, oh, this guy's too close, hit the thing. Like, there's a lot more happening there. There's a more defensive game being played here than ever before in, in uh, Armored Core. The, really, your only defensive options used to be dodge and a couple of, like, minor countermeasure add-ons mm-hmm. that were usually not worth like the chaff, space Like chaff, right? Took. Was yeah. it chaff, one of them? Chaff, and there were there were uh, laser, like, anti-missile laser defenses, yep. and there was, like, ray, like ECM jammers. Mm-hmm. But they often were not worth the 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 weight or the the the, to, the for your slot they, yeah. they, they use. it was better to just have more weapons yeah, yeah. Um, I have a feeling that might change for this one though yeah I think there'll be a little more nuance and maybe a little more balance uh, hopefully because inter- there was always a best build 
Yeah. And I'm sure there will be a best build. But, you know, you, you notice in the Dark Souls games and up through Elden Ring, there is no best Elden Ring build. No, uh-uh. The, I mean, there's, there's a, a best build for you. Many ways to Based on how cat. you want to play. Yeah. But That's why more, people love their games. I think. More and more, like, you know, uh, outside of some of those, like, crazy Great Moon Sword builds, um, like, From has gotten much better about making, you know, no, the way you want to play more viable. Viable, yeah. And one of the biggest problems that these games have always had is that that was not true yeah, of the yeah. old armored cores. There was a correct way to build your mech. Yeah. And they are leaning into this a little bit more. Like, you are going to have to build the mech to the specifications of each mission to some degree. But it really looks like they have taken all the lessons of Dark Souls and are applying it to armored core to make it, frankly, more playable than the old ones used to be. The old ones are... They vary in difficulty, but for the most part... Uh, like, you better be ready for some of those old games. They're They're here to kill you. Also, it appears coming out this year, my tenth pick in our fantasy draft looks like it may pay off. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's they announced it again coming out before the end of 2023. So, do we not have a day on this yet? I thought maybe there was. I just have forgotten it. And I didn't write it. I down, thought it was October, but I might be imagining or that. August. Maybe August. I, I remember hearing August. I can't remember. They may have was. announced a date, but the, for me personally, the good I news thought they is they said August. 30th or something. I was, it was, I, I thought there was a day. Maybe. I, I have a day in my head, but I might be making that up. But uh, it's shaping up. It looks like it's going to be a typical From Software game, which is, should make a lot of their fans happy. Another smaller story Matt, you and I have talked on this show many times about Embracer Group and how it just kept buying studios uh-huh. and it kept announcing games. And we were like, where is the money coming mm-hmm. from? Well, as it turns out, the money was coming from working deals and getting loans with financial institutions and... In the hopes of getting themselves sold. Right. And, and Embrace, nobody wants them. Embracer Group needed a $2 billion deal to go through, and that deal fell through. And they are in deep, deep mm-hmm. crap. Because they are not worth $2 billion. I mean, they're not even worth that close. No. And they have like 250 games in development or something insane. So all these games are going to be canceled. Tons of studios are going to be closing in the very near future. Mm-hmm. Basically. Tons of jobs gone. Yep. Everything that we said about Embracer Group. not have been group, gone if Embracer hadn't bought them. Right. Um, everything we've been saying about Embracer Group all this mm-hmm. time. Like, where, what's going on? This doesn't make any sense. We were right. Yeah. Like, There's it a, didn't make sense. The question to always ask about modern disruptive nonsense in the tech sectors, and this, this applies to streaming stuff. This applies to like, everything. What's the revenue model? Where is the money going to come from when the investor capital runs out? And the answer all too often is we don't know. We don't know. We'll figure that out as we go. That never works out. I mean, when you think about it, its biggest release is Saints Row. Yeah. Which tanked both Mm. critically and financially. Yeah, deservedly so. And deservedly so. And so if you're thinking like these are the type of games that Embracer is going to somehow build a business off of, that's a bad business. Yeah. But we said this all along. (laughs) And some other financial institution they are trying to get the loan of money also figured it out. And who knows what's going to happen with Embracer now? I really don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, they're going to go. They're going to be much smaller than they were before, and they're going to have to call a lot of the projects. Maybe they can find something if they just focus on a handful of things. I don't know. But the Embracer that we've known for the last three or four years probably isn't going to exist anymore. So, just something to keep in mind as we go forward. Um, Adjust, and, adjust your daily schedules as needed. Yeah, I mean, then Price Waterhouse Cooper released an interest, some interesting data this week. It is, it stated that traditional gaming makes up, meaning console gaming, makes up just twenty eight percent of the total gaming market, mm-hmm. and seventy plus percent is all casual 
and mobile games. Mm-hmm. That to me was like, whoa. That's sounds about right. Twenty eight percent. Like what we love makes up less than thirty percent of the gaming industry, mm-hmm. revenue wise. That's crazy yeah well that's i mean there's a reason they all try to stick microtransactions in these things yeah because, because it's always that, happening they're making in mobile. huge money yeah it's pretty crazy that free-to-play games it's have way better to become 70 percent way the better to own candy crush than call of duty yeah it is well they own both right activision blizzard does so maybe that's why they wanted to buy that's it so prob- that's n- probably not wrong because activision blizzard has struggled with mobile and it's not done well so mm-hmm. you know maybe that's an angle that they've been taking you know Xbox also doesn't really have any mobile yeah. success, so they're like, we can buy and get that. I mean, that was Activision Blizzard's idea with buying King, and now that probably is Xbox's idea with buying Activision Blizzard now yeah. that it owns King. So, kind of EA, EA is also leaning pretty hard on owning PopCap. Also, well, also um, EA's FIFA game, the mobile FIFA game, right. made a hundred million dollars last quarter. Yeah. It's really and crazy. how much did that cost to make? Like nothing. Nothing. It's no. just all. How much does FIFA cost to make? Like. There you go. 40, 50 million a year, probably. Yeah. How much does God of War cost to make? Like 200 million. Yeah. 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 Are we going away, Matt? Are we going to be eliminated? No, like, the prestige stuff is still going to be there, but there's going to be fewer of them. And there already are They're so going to be safer ones. bets, because, but also, like, those big bets are paid for by the safe mobile casual shit. Yeah. And you can not play it as much as you want, but that's what keeps this industry afloat now. You do wonder, though, if it, there comes a point where the publishers are like, why are we even bother throwing people like Matt and Shane a bone? Like, Well, because that's still 30% of your revenue. Yeah. That's but not you, nothing. Yeah, I don't think, I think that's going to keep shrinking. Well, you know what, you don't know, you? You know it's 30% of Disney's revenue? Movies. Movies. And TV. Yeah, that's what I figured. You think they're going to stop making movies? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Still matters. Yeah, I just foresee it continuing to shrink. And as time goes on, if it gets down to where it's like 18% I don't or think it's going to continue to shrink because the console market continues to grow. Yeah. it's This is not a function of console gaming not being popular. It's a function of just how, how much money you can make with that bullshit microtransaction model. Because everybody has a phone. Yeah, everybody That's has why. a phone, and a whole bunch of people have impulse control problems. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. This is not That's about true. like mobile gaming being more popular. It's about mobile gaming being yep. more lucrative. Yep. And like, but you're always gonna want the legitimacy, the legitimacy cover of making the big prestige games. Yeah. Because. You know, that's how you win awards. Sony shareholders want to see the revenue, but they want to see the, the revenue based on like, oh, I, I'm a shareholder in this company that makes God of War and Last of Us, that thing that that HBO series is based on, not yeah. that like, you know, Peggle yeah. or whatever, you, you know, whatever, you know, Sony doesn't really have a mobile presence, but like that kind of stuff is always going to be preferable for a PR perspective. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't admit that like you make all the real yeah you know, it's like Disney it's like just like Disney Disney pushes those movies and the, all that all their characters that all that stuff exists to drive traffic and merch sales at for the to theme the parks. parks yeah the theme parks are seventy percent of Disney's revenue I understand why they're so damn expensive oh yeah <laughs> I mean yeah, that's a whole different conversation <laughs> it really is but yeah. like that, when you when you're like how come Disney doesn't care that they lost four million subscribers in Asia because they lost the rights to to stream cricket, cricket? yeah because that's not matter. related to there is no yeah. Disneyland Asia I mean there is Disneyland there's China, no cricket park but there's no Disneyland. cricket land in like <laughs> Disneyland Shanghai you and know? there never like, will be so yeah. yeah that's that's why it doesn't matter it is still to me that number is surprising twenty eight percent man that's so little mm. but 
And you think about how much money I mean, for console s- games generate. Like, it shows you how big the market is in general. It shows really. you how big, how much money gets spent on microtransactions. Yeah. Again, it should not be. A, I mean, you can dislike them or hate them or whatever. It should not be a mystery why they why they tried to do that yeah. with console games. Because if they could turn them into the money factory that uh, mobile games were, it would be even better for them. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, you know, because in the end, the only money you make off the console games in that regard is the initial purchase. Yeah. And whatever DLC happens. And, like, you know, obviously you've got stuff like Street Fighter that does costumes and colors and things. And apparently the costume sales for Street Fighter V saved Street Fighter V. Like, that was why Street Fighter V continued as long as it did and probably why we got a six. Yeah. So... Hey, <laughs> if they help us, they're cool, right? And now, and now we got one of the. You know, we just got one of the best Street Fighters of all time. We Maybe did. the best Street Fighter of all time. Thank you, microtransactions. That, yeah, you like Street Fighter Six? <laughs> that was microtransactions. Even kept Capcom optimistic enough to make that game. Yeah, yeah. I gotta take the good with the bad, I guess. And then the final thing that we should mention before we get going into episode three forty-seven is that tomorrow morning, very early in the morning, seven a.m. Pacific, ten a.m. Eastern, there is a Nintendo Direct. So Matt. Nintendo ultimately couldn't sit out not E3. It does follow up with the Mm -hmm. final press event of not E3 tomorrow. So they're saying that it focuses, it's going to focus on Switch games for the remainder of 2023. And I sat there and I was like, what exactly is that? And I could come up with one game and that's Pikmin 4. Mm -hmm. What other games are there? There's going to be a Mario game. You think they're going to show a new 3D Mario tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, it does make sense. It's time. It's time and... how do you? How would you not put that out in the same year you put the movie out? Yeah, it I makes, mean, it makes way sense. too much sense to do that. But there's something that, that might me... be the best argument against Nintendo doing it because <laughs> it makes so much sense. But like, well, what gives me pause is that it also came out today that Nintendo had instructed Ubisoft to not release the new Mario Plus Rabbids game until Nintendo's new console. Hmm. And Ubisoft is like, they were right, we were wrong because the game has tanked. And people weren't ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. But if we had released it with Nintendo's new console, it could have been a launch game and it would have got more traction and blah, blah, blah. Which also leads me to believe that the new Nintendo console probably isn't that far away. Probably not. I don't think we'll see it tomorrow. Uh, I don't either. I think, I think we'll, we might see it before the end of the year, though. Yeah, I think we'd see it near the end of the year, yeah. Yeah. We may, maybe at the Game Awards. That's possible. Somewhere around there. Maybe um, they do their own direct or maybe or before that. I think they'll, they'll keep that to a direct, I think. Yeah. Nintendo likes control. Well, I mean, if you look at Jeff's numbers, if they're legit for the Game Awards, that's a lot of people, man. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> no, I don't think Come they on. are either completely, but it's still a big. You want number. to talk about twenty-eight percent of something? I would still, <laughs> say, <laughs> I would still say though that he probably gets a bigger audience than a direct would get. Maybe, but his audience is also mixed, whereas the audience for direct is a hundred percent people who want Nintendo things. Yeah, but I'm struggling to think what else could be in the direct tomorrow. Um, Metroid Prime 4 was announced six years ago, by the way. Yep. Six years! It was announced, and we still haven't seen Hyde nor I, guar- I guarantee you, if that's if the Ubisoft's... That's say, definitely next, next console. Next console, yeah. for sure. If, you, if they're saying that to Ubisoft about the Mario Rabbids thing, they're definitely saying to themselves about Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. Um, so we're going to see Pikmin 4 tomorrow, and after we'll that... See, Pikmin 4. Who I knows? Think, I think we'll see a Mario. I think we'll see a whole bunch of crap we don't care about. Um, I think maybe will there be some DLC for uh, Fire Emblem... What about DLC um, for Zelda? I think it's too soon. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What else yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to figure I out. I mean, I'm sure they got a couple <laughs> things we don't have any clue on. Maybe it's... For Switch, though? For Switch, yeah. I mean, they do have to have something little for people it's to not buy. Like, I'm not saying like some kind of world-ending... Like, you know, blow the like doors off. Like a Kirby game. Kirby game. Another Kirby, Kirby game. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? 
We're about due for that, right? We are. It's been, what, like three weeks? <laughs> it's been at least a month since we got the last one, so yeah. Um, but anyway, as always, we'll have the direct live on Sifty. Maybe we'll- this is where we'll get the Silk Song release date? <laughs> Maybe. Like, where it's is that game? I don't know. It's really odd. Um, but anyway, again, as always, we'll have that on Sifted at Sifted.net What's the Pokemon thing this year? Is there a Pokemon thing? Is it a Pokemon thing every year, right? Yeah, but typically. So maybe they announce something along the Pokemon lines or something. Yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's go. Because also I could see where you wouldn't really hold that for whatever the next console is. So, mm-hmm. Like a Let's Go Gold Silver remake yeah. thing or something. You know, like My guess is this is why Nintendo. DLC for what's the last one? Yeah, that could be. My guess is that Nintendo intentionally separated itself a little bit from not E3 because yeah. it probably doesn't have a whole lot to show. So well, also it they, may have it, but it may not want to show it until it's ready well, to well, talk also about. Nintendo's got an ego. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we don't need to do this with all right. these other people. We're just going to do... We're gonna, we'll be over here making a sandwich kind yeah. of thing. You know. <laughs> In Starfield. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the housekeeping for today. Um, actually, I think I forgot to bring you guys into the TriCaster. Let me get you guys in here real quick so we can see what you guys are up to. Um, we'll miss you guys next week, obviously. I'm doing the show offline because you guys do make the show better pretty much every freaking week. Um, okay, let's bring you guys in and see what's up. Also, we can thank some of you guys for Twitch Prime if you've done it. Um, Vincent says Detective Pikachu 2 needs to come out eventually. Yeah, they've been working on that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else are you guys saying? There's a DLC for Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, I think Matt was hinting at that. Uh, Metroid Prime 2 and 3 remastered. Yeah. That's positive. That the is, rumor, the original possible. rumor that's was... Was, the original rumor was a full trilogy re- release. So, yeah, that could be. Yeah. It's not like the f- first one didn't do well enough to justify it. Uh, one Super Master Game is asking what rank you are in Street Fighter 6, Matt. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I haven't played that in a week. Um, Nintendo, make new IP for God's sake, man. Do something new from Obi-Wan 9000. I mean, what's the last new successful IP from Nintendo? Is it Pikmin? Splatoon? Yeah, I guess Splatoon is, yeah. Uh, Mario Kart, God of Gamblers 33, I don't think so. That's To me, that's definitely being saved for the next console. Yeah, that is a launch title for the next console, I bet. Yeah. That you don't, That's the only launch title you would need. Yeah, yep. Um, Toast9 says Pactor was very pro-embracer I'd love to hear his opinion on this um, He says a couple things in the new episodes we just recorded that Where he is not pro-embracer So <laughs> maybe he's already changed his opinion on that um, Let's see uh, Surf Spider I think Halo would need to be reinvented to appear to, to appeal I think to new generations Like God of War was Yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah God, of, God of War and Gears of War did better jobs Reinventing themselves really Yep like at least they're not. At least Gears of War is not still trying to make you play as Marcus Phoenix. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Sneaky says that Pat guy was in an Amico documentary during the week, shilling it. I mean, I think that you just watch an old video is what it was, because the Amico has been dead in the water for like a year now, and Pactor is well aware that it's dead in the water. Oh, it was probably one of those like Amico like, people are doing like YouTube people are doing like the big long form like how the Amico failed oh. retrospectives and they probably used a clip of Pactor. He did like it when he saw it. He told me that himself. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, it was a scam. So it was. It was <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't a scam, it was really stupid. Yeah. Uh, one super master gamer. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome, man. 
Um, I think that's might be it. That's all the further I can scroll up, it looks like. I don't know why that won't go away. Hype train level two, though. Yeah, that's all the further I can go up, unfortunately. Which is good, because we need to get going, because there's way, way too much stuff in mm -hmm. today's show that we need to get to. So, uh, if any of you guys subscribe with Twitch Prime at the early part of the show and it wouldn't let me scroll up far enough, thank you. I, I literally, I really appreciate it. We really need it. Um, so, thank you very much. And with that, it's time to kick off the show proper. But first, we need to hear a word mm -hmm. from our awesome sponsor. LS Cream is a fine cream liqueur created by fellow gamer and sifter Stevens Charles. It's inspired by an ancestral recipe from Haiti called Cray Mass and a double gold winner for its original taste at the New York Wine and Spirit International Competition. LS Cream can be enjoyed on the rocks or as a mixer for drinks with its rich blend of fresh cream and neutral grain spirits with notes of coconut, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It's great in coffee or to make espresso martinis. To learn more, discover amazing drink recipes, or to track down your own bottle using a handy store locator, head to creamls.com slash sifted. That's creamls.com slash sifted. Once again, a huge thanks to LS Cream. It makes a big, big difference to our bottom line to have a sponsor. And as you heard, we have a new URL for you guys to visit. It is creamls.com slash sifted, S-I-F-T-D. That way they can keep track of the people who are going to the website due to the sponsorship that they have with us. So if you could please use that URL when you go to the, to the website. I don't know if people actually do this. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do sometimes on like things I care about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'll do that to support the thing, but usually it's like, I don't know. I just think most people just are going to go to creamls.com, but... Mm -hmm. If you could tack on the slash sifted, that would be awesome. We'd really appreciate it. The website actually is really cool. Helps um, telemetry. Yeah, they've just re uh, they've just redesigned the site. It's really slick and really cool. Um, again, there are drink recipes there to make all the awesome drinks that you see in the ad. Uh, you can learn about the people who made the drink. You can learn about the history of the drink. Uh, what I like to say though is like it makes Bailey's obsolete. If you've mm -hmm. ever drank Bailey's Irish cream. Stop buying Bailey's and start buying LS Cream. You'll see what I mean pretty much with your first drink. So, again, thanks a lot to LS Cream for sponsoring Game Face. It means a lot. And with that, it's time to kick off Game Face 347 proper. And we're going to kick it off with maybe, to me, one of the most pleasant surprise games that I have played in the last five years. Um, and that game is Final Fantasy 16. Matt, I cannot even verbalize how shocked I am and how awesome Final Fantasy 16 is. Now, people, there's a demo, a free demo on PlayStation 5 right now. You have to own a PlayStation 5 to play it. I can't imagine anybody who's even vaguely interested in this game has not downloaded and played that demo. Um, it, give, it lets you play the first two hours of the game mm -hmm. and your save carries over into the final game, which launches tonight. Um, and it's still there. You can go download it today if you want to get an early start on the game and you know you're going to buy it already. Um, as you can see by the lower third there, it is like Final Fantasy Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this. If there's one IP that I'm totally okay with any RPG emulating, it's Game of Thrones. And they freaking nail it, Matt. Everything about Game of Thrones, you will find in Final Fantasy 16. First of all, 
nothing and no one is sacred. That was the one thing about this demo that struck me to be most like Game of Thrones, is that characters that they do a great job of making you care about may not be around all that long. And that was the one thing that Game of Thrones would do. You'd fall in love with a character on the show and you could rarely see it coming. The death or whatever, whatever horrible thing would happen to them. It was ve- the show never really telegraphed what was coming. I felt like that with this. Now you said we were talking before we went live. You were saying that you did see some of the stuff coming. I oh, did yeah. not. I, I knew they were all going to die. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was because it was a flashback. It's like yeah. It, but you, how did you know who was going to be and not be in the present? Because like. He's alone, and he's the lone protagonist, and he's got to learn how to trust people again, and, like, he's got this little thing, and, like, he's completely, his, his station in life is completely reversed, because in the, the modern day stuff, they're calling him, they're ordering him around and yelling, Wyvern, get over here, and stuff, and then you flash back to ten years earlier, and he's a fucking prince mm-hmm. that everybody's bowing to. Yeah. So clearly something happened that reversed all that, and the most standard narrative way to do that is to kill off everyone who considers him a prince <laughs> and so that is exactly what and like you know the game of thrones uh influence is obvious enough it's like yeah they're gonna kill all these people i mean when his father walks on screen you're like and played by sean bean will be uh whatever that guy's name was the archduke whatever um it's just real I mean, there's a little twist here and there, but you can see they used Game of Thrones. That Literally, that first episode is a starting point for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, right down to the creepy blonde lady yep. and the and the big big guy who's, like, bigger than everybody else. They do him really well. Like, Yeah, um, I mean, they have the mountain. I do like that, like, this. The, like, one of the nice world-building things is how everybody uses the magic stuff as a very casual, everyday... Like, as that's, a practical That's how they light part cigarettes. That's how they light... F- candles it's yeah. how they like pour water into a glass like it's like yeah that's how you'd use that stuff like there's their take on the mountain and it may well yeah and it also makes a lot of sense in that the if you read the the backstory stuff that you hold the touchpad for it talks about how the mother crystals or there's like five big crystals in the world and they provide all the basically life uh-huh. and magic to the world and so that's what everybody fights over where the nations grow up around them and this little way of showing how like if someone needs more water in their glass, some servant comes over and magics water into the glass. If they need to fill the well up, somebody has to, some slave, the guy standing, ordering the people around filling the well with the crystal magic is named Slave Master. So that's going to be an issue yeah. later on. But it's like, it does a really good job of showing magic is essential to their survival of this civilization. Yeah, it's just a practical thing. it makes exact sense. You're like, oh, no wonder day. they're all fighting over this shit. Yeah. So, like, this huge battle here makes sense. Goes like, oh, my God, what are they fighting over? The destiny of the world? No, they're fighting over resource. They're fighting over the ability to magically create water in this basically, like, barren wasteland of a world. And, like, that's a really, it's a very subtle, they don't tell you that. They just show you. It's, it's. I cannot believe this came out of Square Enix. Like this is Yeah. This is great writing. Yo guys, this game is incredible. It really, really is good. freaking incredible. They remembered that chocobos are nine foot dinosaurs yeah. that would be terrifying to see riding at you. Yeah. There's a couple of shots here. All this stuff is great. The, the giant, there's kaiju battles that look as good as anything you've seen on screen before. Like I str- I struggle to find any criticism for this game right I now. I have one. And that is, I think, the dodging in the kaiju fight is fucking yeah, stupid. Like yeah. you, the it when the when the prompt button prompt comes up, if I press the button, then I should succeed. I agree. Yeah. And in when when you're doing the phoenix, you've seen this in the other footage they put out. 
the Phoenix fighting Ifrit. Mm-hmm. You're the you're playing as the Phoenix. Yeah. And when the R1 dodge prompt comes up, if you don't if you press it as soon as it comes up and don't wait until the Ifrit's actually launching at it you, misses you the get dodge. hit. Yeah. And look, you get a spell that basically resurrects you, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I was irritated by that, and yeah. I hope that that isn't how it works because the the dodging in the ground combat is fucking pristine. Yeah. I mean, we should mention too that that fight that we're talking about is this like almost Panzer Dragoon style like flying yeah. fight. It's kind of a diversion. It's not yeah, you've, the you've seen it in all the trailers. Yeah, they've shown it's it a the, bunch. Even like this, you know, introdu- so you're introducing the Archduke here, but you're also introducing this is what Chocobos are in yeah. this world, and they're terrifying. They are, yeah. Like they're giant terror birds. Also, the puppy is great. Yeah, like, they do a great job. I mean, with that's the dog. obviously your, yeah, obviously that's your dog when you're grown up ten years in the fifteen main game. years later. Is it ten or fifteen? I want to say it was ten. Okay, maybe it was thirteen. It, yeah. was, it was a weird. I can't remember. Ten can't, would make more sense if it's a dog because most dogs don't live to fifteen. Yeah, so. maybe it was eight years. I can't. I can't remember how long ago it was. He's 15 in the flashback, and he looks more like 22 to 25 in the in the main game. People, this is the best 3D Final Fantasy. If it maintains, if, if it, it maintains, can maintain this, this quality, it's not even close. Yeah. If it maintains this, this is the best Final Fantasy since six, yeah. bar none, and it might be the best Final Fantasy ever, ever. Like it's a candidate. This is also another candidate. Yeah, this is for a, game of the this year. This is game of the year candidate. I. I am saying a Final Fantasy game is a game of the year candidate just off this demo. We are saying. Yeah. Uh, we Neither one of us are no. huge Final Fantasy fans. Right. Let's just but, be I, honest. but I am a died in the world modern Final Fantasy <laughs> You're a hater. little more we extreme than I am. Yes. I, I mean, I, but I have said I like this team. I like what this team does. The Ibilis team. I mean, I know they're like, what, General Business Unit 3 or whatever. Come up with real names for your development team, Square. Come on. Yeah. But like, it's funny how they have a logo for it and everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it comes up at the beginning. It's like, it's GBU3. Yeah. You're like, General Business. Oh, my favorite business unit. I found unit. that funny. Yeah. Um... <laughs> No, it's really good. My one real concern from the er, the early like demos and stuff was that the, the you know the, the damage sponge enemies not a problem. No, like even basic combos take these things down pretty easily, and you can switch from enemy to enemy easily. You can yeah. hit multiple enemies with wide swings. You can you know, do different combos and Combat's switch great. in the middle. The combat works really really well. I saw the combat director who has worked on every Devil May Cry and said you, and this can, is his can, masterpiece, and you can feel it. Yes, like yeah, there's there. Are, this is, I mean, if you hate Devil May Cry, maybe that's not a good news thing. But like, no, this this feels really good. This is up there with any any great action RPG real time combat. Yeah, like it's it's great. Again, I struggle to find. I'm completely sucked into the world, the characters, the if story. Final, if Final Fantasy VII remake had played like this, I would not have cared about any of the story weirdness. Me too. I would have just fought through it. This is this game is fun to play. It is fun to play, and it keeps layering stuff on. I keep I get keep getting better. It's like you said. I, you know, after you mentioned the the damage sponge stuff in the trailers that we saw, I was like, you know what, Matt's right. It does look like, mm-hmm. once you learn the combat in this, no. But also, also, they're not like that in the main game. Clearly, those those enemies in that those demos were turned way up on life so they could do all the fancy stuff to right, them and right. not have Without them die in the middle them. of it. Yeah. Yeah, so they could keep, for demo purposes. They're yeah. not like that in this. Even the boss fights are, you know, they're longer, and you got to take, yeah. you know, it's just like any Final Fantasy since, what, since 13, you got to take the stagger bar down, and then do extra damage while they're staggered. Yep. But that all really works well. You can you can speed it up if you're good at dodging and good at, like, being positioned properly. The combos matter. And obviously, I, I also think these two characters you end up with here, uh, Tyler and Wade, are great. They're I great. I like them a lot. I they're totally... actually really well-drawn characters for characters that are clearly throwaways that are not going to be part of your main party. Yeah. Um, I, but I had an affinity for them after yeah. the time like I played I, with we, them. Yep. I cared about what happened to Wade. Yeah. 
yeah. the, after all this. But I, I mean, obviously, a, a couple times where I'm like, hey, guys, you could you could attack the boss. That would be nice. Yeah. But I'm sure like your main party <laughs> members in the main game are going to be a little more proactive and, yeah. and have bigger moves. Like they can't use magic and stuff. But you can see in a combat here, the teleport ability keeps everything active. Yeah. You can jump from one enemy to another just by tapping the circle button, basically. Yeah. And unlo- I mean, I know some people will see that and be like, oh, no, Final Fantasy 15. No, it no, feels completely uh-uh. different. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. anything you like feel that. You feel in control yeah, of this. at and all it, times. And you combo out of it, and it feels really good. And it's just it's it's night and day from anything they've made in 20 years. I can't believe this is a Final Fantasy game. I really cannot believe it. Yeah. I mean, and it, like, and like, oh, I mean, I'm just like, this thing's gonna bomb. <laughs> it's gonna, like, inevitably, like, it's, it's gonna bomb, and they're never gonna make anything like this. It's again. not awkward and terrible enough. I'm not buying it. Like, well, that's the thing. Is if you're a big <laughs> fan of stuff like Final Fantasy VII Remake, I wonder what your reaction to this is gonna be because it doesn't feel like that at all. No, the tone is completely different. The writing feels like a good different. game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I wasn't gonna say I'm it, kidding. but there you go. Um, but the, the voice acting is great. Oh, like everything. The writing. Who wrote this? Yeah. Who wrote this? Well, the main writer, I believe, was the woman who wrote all the really good ex- uh, expansion stuff for Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, really? As far as who translated, I don't know. But they're very good, and they should use them more. <laughs> I struggle to... I mean, you know, Matt's point is... The, I, I the, really struggle to find any... The weakness. lip-syncing is accurate to the English dialogue. Yeah. They never do that. I know. It's, like, their lips are forming the English words. I've never seen a Square game do that before. The crazy thing about this, too, is it's a hard M. Like, oh, this yeah. isn't just like, oh, oh yeah. it ended up with an M rating. Like, this earns the M yeah. rating. This is the horniest Final Fantasy yeah. of all time. <laughs> it's, it's, like, I mean, it's no like Game of question. Thrones. There's like people having sex everywhere, people getting beheaded left and right. Like, it's. Your main character saying, what the fuck was that yeah. a couple times? Like, it's, it's, it's. I mean, I'm not saying that that makes anything necessarily better, but it's just such a change. It makes it feel more realistic. I mean, I don't know how many people have the same swear words in another wor- lang- in another universe, but like, it, it, it makes sense as reactions to things. Yes. I mean, the shit that happens in this demo is insane. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what else you could say, but what the F? Like, it's really crazy. Like, I am just blown away by how good this is. Mm-hmm. I never, I mean, I have been saying like early in the year, like this is one to keep an eye on. Like, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised yeah. by it, but this has exceeded my expectations. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I started this up. It's like, all right, let's see what this yeah, is. Yeah, me too. Be. Like, be, almost it's begrudgingly. Like, no, it's great. I and was, within two I was minutes. Up, I was upset when it ended. Yeah. And now, thank God, tonight we can pick it right yeah. up. Because if you play this demo, again, your saves carry over. Yeah. The Congrats. skill trees, great. Good stuff. Nice, happy you medium. Can, you, not, yeah, there's, there's no a, there's overkill. A, but, che- well, I'm sure that's going to expand way, way yeah. out. That's your just your first tree there with the Phoenix powers. But, like... I like this, like, you know, there's a real cheap, like, you unlock a basic skill real cheap, and then you got to pay a fair amount to yep. ma- master it, which makes it much better. Yeah. Um, but it basically it makes you, the first time it shows you the ability screen, you can basically fill out almost the whole tree of basic stuff. Yeah. And yeah, the you've first got a fully functioning you, you character. You have enough points to, like, yeah. basically get everything. Because they limit it at first to, to kind of teach you how the combat works, but as yep. soon as they give you that, you're like, oh, I would, yes, I would like to be able to, I would like to be able to do that. Yeah. I'd like to do that. And then, then you start doing the real fights, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Then you see the stuff happening. Happening. What a functional character I have now. Yeah. After I've been eased into it. It's very smart. Graphically. Gorgeous. To- PS5 only. Gorgeous. Can totally see it. Runs great. Looks great. Like all yeah, the I classic- played. I played on graphics mode and it ran just fine. Yeah. I didn't see any frame rate issues the whole time I played it. Playing it on quality mode, not, you know, or on graphics mode, not uh, frame yeah. rate mode. And, um... I don't know. I just got completely sucked and enraptured with this game and yeah, did, didn't it. want to put it down. I sat and just played through the demo one sitting, didn't even think mm-hmm. about stopping. Pacing is great. 
again the writing like, I went I, I went straight to the thing and bought it yeah I've I mean never I was going anyway, to game with so much writing even just like these scenes stuff these like scenes, this the song they sing is an embarrassing yeah like it's it actually sounds like some kind of like drinking song like scenes like that in a this bar kid, in a Final Fantasy game normally embarrassing yeah. this kid this is the younger brother who's kind of sick and he's the chosen one and you yeah. got to defend him but like but obviously and obviously no none of these people are going to live through this prologue but like so yeah, so there's a sequence here where you play this kid, and he's previously been like, I, I'm not a leader. I don't want to do any of this. I don't want to hurt people. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm never going to live up to what you want. And you get into this thing where they, you know, they're being attacked, you know, Game of Thrones style. And the kid comes in, and he fights, and he finds an injured soldier and tries to save him with his power. Like, he does step yeah. up. He like he as much uh -huh. as he's afraid of it, he is a leader. Yeah. And and like and that means that when you know when Clive steps in and is trying to to save him and help him, you care. Like he's not an annoying kid. Like well, they made him it, someone you like. You're supposed to be a shield. You're supposed to protect him. Yeah. And I totally fell into that role. I was like, oh, I got to protect Josh. Like. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Like, I don't know how many... It's really well done. Yeah. I mean, we're going to obviously talk about this game as we play through the whole thing again here in the not-too-distant future. Like, um, I don't know why the team that split off after 6 and did all the Ivalice stuff and the online games is so much better at basic storytelling than the team that was handed the main franchise for so long, but this sh you should reverse that and never let Nomura touch these games again. Well, yeah, this if is this like is the how first this whole Final game Fantasy plays that off. wasn't made for twelve-year-olds. Yeah, I mean that's really how I feel. This feels like the first game. Yeah, this doesn't feel like the afternoon anime, yeah, uh, like shonen manga yeah. thing. This the, feels the, like the Final first Fantasy game that was so made long. for people who have been Final Fantasy fans since the two D days. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love it. I can't wait to start playing more of it when I get back from the show yeah. today. You know, actually, you know, in terms of Square stuff, you know what it reminded me the most of is um, uh, Vagrant Story. Hmm. Remember that? Yeah, remember that I can one? see that. Near the yeah. end of the PS One. Yeah, yeah. Like it just had that different, same team. Yeah. That, oh, really? It had, it's the that's Ivalice. That's the same same. Like, wow. It's it just had that different flavor. It, it felt it felt like someone had been reading like, you know. It felt like someone had been reading, you know, George R. R. Martin and not like well, that was too early for then. But it felt like someone had been reading more adult oriented fantasy and not just like the Dragonlance books. Yeah. You know? Final Fantasy finally grew up, Matt. It took well, way too long. For one. And like it all integrates the Final Fantasy stuff where like this guy shows up, he's a dragoon, and as soon as you see him up on top of the yeah. steeple and he's in that fucking yeah. Cecil pose and you're like, Oh shit, it's a dragoon. Like it's like Yeah, that's the other like, thing too, is like the It all works. Yeah. And I mean there are so many nods for fans in here as yeah. well. Like you I'm sure you're watching this now, you're like, it just looks like generic fantasy game. It's not like as you play, there's all these yeah, little nuggets, the little touches. Yeah, even like the little magic cast. Like they cast it through crystals. Yeah, like, like like the guy holds his hand over the water cup, and a little crystal comes into his hand, and it pours water out of it. And you're like, that's yeah, that's, that's, yeah. It's, they found a great way to use the summons that makes sense yeah. and it's functional. And, and it's oh not my just god, this I mean, this is side show. This whole scene is Godzilla versus Mothra. Yeah, like, actually, and actually, when you first start, the first thing that happens is it does a, it shows this fight in a little cutscene dream that he's having, and it's some of it is shot for shot the fight between Gandalf and the Balrog well. in Lord of the Rings, like straight down <laughs> to scraping against the wall and uh -huh. then falling into the giant cavern below the mountain. Like it definitely borrows from. Oh, it borrows tons of stuff, but it does but the make good it, stuff. It makes it its own uh, as a Final Fantasy thing, and like you you recognize it re repeatedly. Yeah, I'm very impressed by it. Yeah, I um I don't know how many more awesome things I can say about this game, like having only played the demo. Um, but all I know is I cannot wait to play the full thing beginning tonight. Um, in fact, review code should be in my inbox any moment now. 
Um, so I'm very, very excited to play more of this. Um, if oh, you... wow. So Andy T. Monahan says the guy who voiced Clive lost his father during development, and he was putting that into his performance. Oh, jeez. Which... Yeah, that's there's, that a, there's, a layer. There's, there's an honesty in some of the, some of his stuff in that. I mean, when he gets really mad at the end, like he, yeah, I, I buy that. Yeah, there's some really uncomfortable scenes in this. There are, this man. Game. I couldn't believe I was playing a Final Fantasy in a game. good way. Like, yeah, in oh, in a great way. way. In a yeah. great way. That's that's the kind of uncomfortable I want when I play games in 2023. Um, it's just I just can't understand how Square Enix went from Final Fantasy 15 to this. I mean, one thing I will say, like looking at some of the responses, there are people who have played like the, you know, the Shadowbringers and the, and the DLC that I never got around to on Final Fantasy XIV that are not surprised by this at all. Oh, interesting. That are like, this is what you've missed. Wow. If you didn't play that stuff. It's crazy. It's so good, people. <laughs> like, it's coming out tonight. Like, I have no reservations with telling you to buy this game tonight or right now or whenever. Yeah, this is one of the best demos I've ever played. Ever. Ever played. Like, it's just... I, again, I couldn't believe the stuff that happened in it. Like, I didn't see any of it coming, honestly. Like, I, I thought, did, but I don't care because it's well done. Yeah, I thought those some of those characters you, were going to be there till yeah. the you final frame. You don't have frame. to surprise me to to make me like your story. Yeah, like, like you know, plot surprises are not the point. Spoilers do not ruin a good story because a good story is its own story. Yeah, like there's two. That's two different things. Yeah, even in the demo, you get to fight a Torgal a little bit, which is your dog sidekick. I thought he worked great. I was wondering if I would be, you know, if I would miss the fact that I couldn't control my party members. Torgal's enough. Like, I don't need the other two guys. I also found the AI for your companions that you can't control yourself to be adequate, not great. They can't, you can't allow your party members to just go slay everything for you. Um, so they're, they're not going to, like, kill a boss for you, so to speak. They're going to chip them a little bit. But mm -hmm. um, I think it more, it's more the aesthetics of having them along and the camaraderie that this game creates with those characters. Like, the scenes that you have with those two guys that come along with you, you don't spend that much time with them, but the interactions are enough. Like, again, it's very Game of Thrones-like. Every mm -hmm. character that, like, even side character in Game of Thrones, they just had a way of writing them that you cared. No matter how much time you spent with them, you either hated them or you loved them or you had some kind of affinity for them. This game is doing that. And, I, again, I just can't believe it's a Final Fantasy game. I really can't. Mm -hmm. So... Easy. I think there are some people that are going to say it's not a Final Fantasy game. As and a that's negative, a shame because a hopefully criticism. this is what we get for eternity. Like I pre-orders were below Final Fantasy 15s. That sucks. Um, we'll see if this demo turns some of that around. I'm not surprised because again, I think people look at this and they're like, "Oh, generic fantasy game. That doesn't look mm -hmm. like a Final Fantasy game." But uh, anyone who plays the demo will very quickly figure out this is absolutely a Final Fantasy game. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a Final Fantasy game in the vein of something like five or six, right? Which had much similar tone to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, so again, it is a PS5 exclusive. It is eventually coming to PC, although they they will probably start the PC version like next week. Mm. They were waiting for this to come out before they started work on the PC version. So PC version is going to be a couple years, probably year and a half, maybe two years. Something like be that. my guess. And then even then, look out to what that. Yeah, who knows what kind of quality you're going to get there. Um, so this is a PS5 exclusive. You cannot play it on PS4. It's not coming to Xbox as of right now. Um, so probably you, will one day. But yeah, my guess is it eventually will come to Xbox. Um, but if you don't have a PS5, you're going to miss out, unfortunately. But to me, if you're a Final Fantasy fan and you haven't bought a PS5 yet, go get one and buy this game. I 
Do you think Final Fantasy fans will not like this? Do you think there's a chance that they won't like it? I think it will be divisive, yeah. Yeah? Why do you think so? Because I think a ton of people like that garbage. Oh. That the garbage defines what Final Fantasy is to them. Interesting. Because it has been Final Fantasy their whole lives. That's true. If you're in your 20s or whatever, you've never seen a yeah. different kind of and Final Fantasy. And there's an argument to be made that like maybe embarrassing horse shit is what Final Fantasy should be and is, is. And this should have been a different IP. But yeah. it wouldn't have been as successful even as, you know. But again, maybe the backlash will be a problem and it won't sell as much and Square will never touch this again. Like, I don't know. Um, I would hope not. I would hope the quality of it will make people overlook like whatever differences they might they might perceive. Well, I think but I think the reviews for this are going to be like sky high. I would think so. And I think that is going to make a big difference, too. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine. I mean, again, there's a chance that the quality isn't sustained after the demo. That's the case. Then all bets are off. But if it's sustained throughout the course of the game, what I've played of it so far, I, you're looking at a nine point five or higher aggregate, I think. So. Mm-hmm. And I think if that happens, I don't think sales will be a problem at all. So, yeah, it might be more of a long game, like in terms of like over the course of the rest of the year. Yeah, but like I don't know. I hope it's a, it's, it does. If it, if the Me rest too, of the because game, I hope they keep making these games. Yeah, I <laughs> that's mean, it's, my my even dream. Sale, sales or no sales, I hope someone higher up is recognizing the quality of work that this team does. Yeah, and maybe get them out of that MMO ghetto mm-hmm. over there and let them make some bigger stuff. And look, this template can work with different settings and doesn't have to be set in this dark you know traditional mm-hmm. fantasy setting Eve Demon says the localization lead is uh, Michael Christopher Koji Fox who has been and yeah. still does Final Fantasy 14's localization mm. so this is all that team apparently that guy has quite the reputation in general yeah yeah but and like, it shows he's done an amazing yeah, job so it's very well done yeah again Matt and I've only played a couple hours of this but it's a, like the best two hours of a game I've played like all year so um, if you're on the fence I feel comfortable tipping you off the fence and telling you to go buy this Mm -hmm. i really do i struggle to think that it could be even if it doesn't hold that specific standard for the rest of it even if it's 80 percent of that it's still amazing like that's how good it is so um you know the game comes out tonight tomorrow i do not have any reservations with telling you to buy the game none at all um if you have a playstation 5 obviously it's the only way you can play it so that's final fantasy 16 and we'll have a lot more on that game in next week's episode and i really really hope that as I play more of it, it holds up to the same standard. Because again, if it does, it's in my it's definitely on my hot list for game of the year for 2023. No doubt about it. So, and this has been an amazing game or amazing year for video games. So we'll see. But so far, so good. So far, about as good as I could have expected, maybe is a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. I'm really blown away by the quality of the game. Uh, let's take a look and see what you guys are saying about it. If you're saying anything. Um, Scorpio is fine. Is there any co-op in this? No. No. It's single player only. Um, but again, you do have a dog that fights alongside you named Torgal, and you do have party members, but you don't control them. They come along and they're just automatons. They just do what they're programmed to do, basically. And so far, what I've seen of them, they've been pretty good. Um, is the little green guy with a knife in it? I'm not sure. I'm sure he is. What is he talking about? The little... Turtle guy with a robe who pokes you with a knife and kills you instantly. Oh, oh! He's been he, in every Final Fantasy. He probably is. I'm sure, yeah. he's in there. I'm sure the cactar is in there. I'm, yeah, it's fine. Um, God of Gamblers. Am I the only one that likes Final Fantasy 16 less that it's deviating from the other Final Fantasy games? I definitely don't agree with you. Yeah. But it, it doesn't look like any other people in chat did either. Sneaky <laughs> uh, asks, how long is the demo? It's, it's literally two hours on the nose. Yeah, it's just about exactly. I think two it was hours. like time of recording was like one fifty eight forty five or something. Unless you like really 
dick around yeah. running around. You could so, screw around. There's not a lot of stuff time. to do. I mean, I ran around and picked up the two items in the main one area, and that was it. You know, there's not a lot of leeway there. Yeah. Um, God of Gambler, spoilers alert. Well, the demo's free. If you haven't played it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Um, is the combat real time? Commander Fed, I'm thinking you've seen that at this point. Yes, it's absolutely real time and it's really freaking good. It's built by the guy who built the combat for Devil May Cry and he calls it his masterpiece. So I think that's probably all we need to say about that. Um, one Super Master Gamer says the writing is okay, not great. It's just not a bad anime cliche writer. I don't know what you're talking about, man. No, I don't agree with that. Okay, at all. I'm curious, One Super Master Gamer, if you think the writing is okay and not great. What game do you think the writing is great? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really to be curious. Clear, to be clear, I'm saying that in in con- context of game writing. Yeah. Like this is on the level of the better the games, best. the better game writing. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's uh, it's like you know the Godfather here. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what games you think are better written? Because I really struggle to think of many, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some narrative games that are probably better written, but that's all they are. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like walking simulators. Um, see if you guys have anything else in here. Um, I heard, oh, um, El Guapo3385 says, I heard that Platinum Games was also involved. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, I saw some chatter about like some kind of consulting. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, 100% sure though. As someone who's not a huge Platinum fan, I can say that I don't see much of it in there. Yeah. Um, other people saying the remit Final Fantasy VII remake disappointed them. Yeah, look, if you are not a fan of the Final Fantasy VII remake, like Matt and I, don't let that dissuade you from playing this game. Yeah, this is like the o- it's other like end of the spectrum. It's like day and night. <laughs> uh, I think that might be it. Uh, yep, it looks like that's it. But anyway, Final Fantasy sixteen comes out here in the next twenty four hours or so. Um, Matt and I are both saying like, if you're a fan of Final Fantasy, or even if you're not, if you just like great action RPGs, we said go pick it up. And we'll be back next week with even more in-depth analysis. Next up, we're going to deliver on what we promised last week. And we're going to talk with you guys uh, with about one of the most impressive games from not E3 2023. And that is Starfield. We really just glossed over it last week when we talked about it. Because we had 60 games to cover in last week's episode. There was a 45-minute preview that no, Bethesda... Super Master put- Gamer says he doesn't do separation with game movie or game writing and movie writing or anime. If it's good, it's good. That's wrong because um. I can't compare a great movie's screenplay to a book. Yeah, Like, I mean, they are different media. How do you They're, compare you do that. something where the story needs to last two hours and resolve itself over two hours versus something that needs yeah, to resolve itself over there's, 60 there's no hours. Com- I mean, I guess the the closest... I mean, I make the comparison to old RPGs and novels all the time because yeah. that's the closest length, like the amount of time you have to develop something. But you have to you have to judge the writing in, in one medium against itself. Like, but ultimately, he didn't come up with a game that had writing that was better. No, although someone else said Last of Us 2, which I'm like, yeah, I, I, that's up there. That's, it's They're in the same class. Yeah, same same league for yep. sure. Yep. So that's far, what we're talking I mean, about, though. I mean, when I say that about Last of Us 2, I'm talking about the whole game because I've played the whole game. Yeah. I'm just saying Final Fantasy 16 looks like it's going to so be far, that's in that right. class. Yeah. Again, we and people like game. people like ETH Demon, who have played the Final Fantasy 14 stuff by the same people, are saying that that is a reasonable expectation. To trust it. To, to think that it will perpetuate. It will main, maintain that. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. We're going to talk about Starfield. Bethesda and Xbox put out a 45-minute preview of Starfield. And last week, there's no way we could have gone through all the nuts and bolts of what they showed because it's just insane how much they showed of Starfield um, when we had to talk about 59 other games in our show. So as we promised last week, we have returned this week to go on a deep dive for Starfield. And the first thing I will say 
is I went through the Starfield footage that they put out, and it was 45 minutes. And of that, there is 17 minutes and 30 seconds of gameplay. So mo way more than half of that direct were just people at Bethesda talking about the game. There actually mm. wasn't anywhere near as much gameplay in it as I thought. Now, I did chop out some of the boring footage where they would just show, like, here's how you build your base or whatever. But generally, there was about 18 minutes of legitimate gameplay from Starfield in that direct. Most importantly, though, is all the information that was included in that. And look, it's a big ask to ask you guys to go watch a 45-minute thing on, on a game uh, with your busy lives or whatever. And that's why we're here, to kind of sum up the, the important stuff from it so you get all the information that matters without having to kind of sit through the whole thing. Uh, first of all, uh, the game is set in an area that extends outward from our solar system for about 50 light years, um, and it's called the Settled Systems. But there is Earth, right? Like there is, yeah. like the Milky Way exists in this universe, and all You're that. In the Milky Way. Oh, you are in the Milky Way still. That's our galaxy. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was in another galaxy called no. the Settled Systems, though. No, that's a section of the galaxy. Oh, okay, gotcha. The, the, kind of like Andromeda. Sol is yeah, Andromeda is another galaxy. Oh, it is the other, another galaxy. Yeah, that's our closest galaxy. Okay, gotcha. The Milky Way is our galaxy. This is takes place fifty, you know, fifty light years from Sol. Sol is our solar system. So you can, I mean, they showed you landing on Mars. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, that's right. There's mining on Mars. Yeah. That's right. I saw. I remember seeing that, that scene. You're right. Um, it's set around the year 2310. So a little, a little Opti bit of optimistic, but okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you think we're going to last that long? <laughs> I think we'll last that long. I don't know if we're going to be doing this by then. Yeah. Clearly, I mean, you set in 2310. Clearly, we've been out there a while. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. There's an intergalactic war going on between the United Colonies and the Free Star Collective. Um, and then you join a group called Constellation that's kind of seen as like a mythical, like some people don't even believe it really exists. Yeah, it's like a secret society kind yeah. of thing. Um, secret society of like strangely Victorian, like Jules Verne explorer yeah. people. Like, yeah. like that drawing room you have that meeting in is so like, like I love that stuff. I love that whole like, I, I want to go on an adventure that starts with us having a meeting in a mahogany panel drawing room with big crinkly maps. Yeah. About, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's cool that like you know that group would maybe that group would probably like, you know, keep that pretentiousness going for another three hundred years. Why not? Maybe, um, they are considered the last true explorers of the galaxy, mm -hmm. and they're all, they're basically they search the galaxy for artifacts. I'm not exactly sure what the artifacts. Why aliens? Aliens. Ancient they, alien stuff. Okay. Alien they, artifacts is what yeah, they're looking basically for. They're looking for other, uh, evidence of other civilizations. And maybe to develop new technologies based on Judging by the last thing they show you in that whole presentation, yes. Yes. Because yeah. any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, as yep. Arthur C. Clarke would say. Yep. Um, you start your character creator from... There's like 40 different presets that you can start with. Um, then you choose your background to decide what your skill set is. Um, the skill set's are important they can they ultimately impact how your story plays out so they're not just these things that affect your abilities but also affect the actual prose in the story in the game then you select traits and they give you advantages and disadvantages depending on the situation when you level up you get a skill point like most mm -hmm. action rpgs um, to unlock or rank up your existing skills um, then there are five different skill trees with four ranks per skill. And a couple examples they shared were Xenosociology, which lets you control aliens. Which, which one? Do you think you might go for that one, Matt? Probably not. I'm not a pet, pet class no. person, really. Okay. 
Um, another one is called Boost Packs, which lets you fly. I'm all that's me. Mm-hmm. That's try. I mean, that's I'm, that seems like a pretty important one no matter what you want to do for in this combat game. combat but also exploration traversal being able to get up things. high being yeah. able to see over hills and stuff, stuff like to that scan on top of that mountain. yep you absolutely and then another one they mentioned was called neuro strikes and that gives you the, uh, the basically it, it empowers your melee combat yeah it also sounded like a like a, a useful stealth thing stealth because the description kind of talked about like one-shotting people. Oh, so like it would be good for melee combat, but also good for you know hitting people from stealth. Probably enhances your your takedown ability because gotcha. you're doing more damage and they wouldn't survive your hit. Okay, um, but mostly it is it does give you the ability to use melee weapons in your hands more effectively. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're kind of a sitting duck if you try to do that with the other classes. Um, Ranks can be unlocked by completing challenges associated with each specific skill. So it's one of those games where the more you use something, the more powerful and the better it gets. I think all RPGs should be that way, Matt. Um, I wouldn't say that. No? I like the level up systems, various ones that are used for specific things. But I do think that uh, Bethesda stuff works better when it works that way. Yeah. Like, I, I think the I think that, you know, kind of the Skyrim style system like that works better than the standard leveling for, like, in Fallout. Uh, for their their kind of games yeah i I prefer that every time i can get it because it's like if this is what i'm using obviously it's what i'm most comfortable with and what i'm most successful with i think it makes more sense to do that with a game that has this much player freedom in terms of how you approach things versus Mm -hmm. say final fantasy 16 that wouldn't make a lot of sense to me because everything would be hack and slash hacking and then i'd (laughs) feel forced to use magic a lot and like spam magic so i could power that up more and it's like that it makes more sense in something like this where you're going to pick a play style that sort of chooses some some actions and abilities and minimizes others and then that makes you better at those things and presumably the game is kind of designed to handle you no matter how you approach something yeah so whereas like a game like final fantasy an rpg like final fantasy 16 is very different in that regard yeah so I think this is the right approach for this game, for sure. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, as you go further, the challenges become more difficult over time um, to basically to rank up your skills. Um, and then there's a morality system, and you can be whoever you want to be in this game. You can be a total jerk pirate if you want to, robbing people's ships and taking and plundering their ships and taking their hard work. Or you can be the good guy who stops the pirates. Who you are in this game is entirely up to you. Also something I think most people would appreciate if it were in all RPGs. Um, Once you decide to leave the surface of the planet, there's a star map that you can use. Um, It gives you more details about the planet that you're currently on. Um, It gives you info of the planet and the resources that you found. Using the star map, you can also choose your landing spot or you can use it to fast travel to locations you've already been to. Um, it looks like that's going to be the conduit to get to most places. Although, Matt, I think you'll be doing a lot of manual flying, if, I, if I'm guessing correctly. Yeah, although I think um, I think manual flying is kind of minimal in this game, from what I can see. You think so? Well, I think you're plotting your course here and there. Landing on planets and taking off is, is automated. Yeah, you just select um, it, and then it cuts to a cutscene showing yeah. you landing and taking off. So it's, it feels pretty similar to what Outlaws is doing, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Um, and then they, they describe your ship as your sidekick, like it's a character. Mm-hmm. You buy it, you can then customize it and upgrade it. You hire a crew and a technician to keep things running. Uh, crew members will even have their own quest lines to follow, and you can add new crew as you journey across the galaxy. As you find people that you think might be helpful to your crew, you can add them to your crew. Um, and then inside the ship, this is one thing I do not like, and I know it's true to a lot of sci-fi, but I don't like it in sci-fi, and I don't like it in video games. 
power allocation with the ship. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. big Star Trek thing, is that right? I mean, it's X-Wing. Oh, it's an X-Wing? I mean, Star Trek is, is like, you divert all power to ship. But in terms of gameplay, that goes back to X-Wing. And yeah. Fighter. I'm not a fan of that. Where you're like, oh, we're, we're flying. Let's divert all the power to the thrusters. I mean, now the, we're fighting. Let's divert the power to the shields. I mean, it, it, I think it works if, like, your baseline power levels are enti- are adequate. Okay. And if you do, if, if like you want to divert power to something because you're just like, I think I need to finish this for faster. an extra punch. You mean? Yeah. If if it's if it's a way of enhancing things with a trade off to it, I think that works. I don't think it works. Um, that's how X Wing did it mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it works if it's like there's other games that have done it. What was it? Um, maybe it's a mod for Free Space Two. I can't remember if it was Free Space Two itself, but like. Basically, every fight, if you didn't pump laser energy up and drop ener- engine energy, you were screwed because your lasers weren't going to recharge fast enough. But mm-hmm. like, um, so that is annoying. Like, like, as long as your ship is baseline functional at nominal energy readings and the power fluctuation is purely to deal with specific situations, I think that's good. I'd agree with that. Yep. <coughs> but if you're making me micromanage it every time I get in a fight against a little thing... That is annoying. That will drive me bonkers. And, and I, I really, really hope that's not the case. I strongly doubt that will be the case in this. It seems like it would be a pretty silly design decision. Yeah. Um, so, but that's something. And I, I also consider. feel that like the, it sounds like your crew is going to be partly re- deal, responsible for diverting some stuff as needed. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds, it sounded like if you're getting hammered in the shields, your engineer might just like put the shields automatically, up automatically, and you can counter counteract. There, I mean, if you so I'm okay at, if I set that before. If you look at that controller, there's an actual power allocation marker on one of the, on the d-pad I think. oh really so it's clearly meant to they know that that's going to be done okay that's encouraging regularly. i should hear that i didn't notice that on the controller i think that's sharp i think eye. it did the sharp eye to pick up on that well i have it so oh that's right you got the controller already um and then one thing i really like is when you're out fighting in space and you destroy an enemy ship you can loot it from space like you can fly mm. through the debris and loot it or you can decide to board the ship and go in and like kill all the people on the ship and if you do that the bounty that you get is way higher. So there's a risk-reward system there with ba- with boarding the ship, fighting... And you get the- to keep the ship. And then you keep the ship. Yeah. You can make a fleet. Yeah, what do you think What do you think you're going to do mostly? Uh, I'll have I'll have some fleets. you have the boarding party. I'll have some, yeah. <laughs> I, I probably won't be a pirate, but if somebody's... I'll, I'll take bad people's ships. Yeah. <laughs> Guilt-free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's an awesome idea. Again, just this stuff just keeps piling on. Um, and... To your point last week, Matt, you're absolutely right about how the planets are different based upon each player. Um, planets are constructed specifically based on what you've done in the game, including what plants and creatures you have scanned to that point. Um, so I don't know if like, if you've already scanned certain creatures, they'll be like, okay, well, you've already scanned this one. We're going to populate this planet with different creatures that you haven't scanned already. I don't know I, how that's going to work. It sounds like they're trying to make sure it doesn't look like the same things evolved on the same different worlds. Yeah. Which is... Again, they they are taking astrophysics and astrobiology more into account in this game than like something like No Man's Sky or Elite Dangerous was. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's good. That's good. Yeah. To hear like the 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 fact that there's going to be functioning solar systems in this uh, as opposed to how No Man's Sky. And I understand why No Man's Sky approaches it because they don't care about it. that's not the point of No Man's right. Sky, but it is the point of this. Yeah. So I'm into it. Yep. Um, but the bottom line is that everyone's planets are going to be different mm-hmm. depending on what you've done throughout your journey. No um, one can help you find the mining facility you can't find. <laughs> right. It is only in your game. That's actually true. Yep. Like, guides are only going to help you so much in this game. Yep. Yep. That'll be interesting to see how people react to that. And then kind of one of the final big tenets of the game is your home base. Um, you can build your home base out in the field. They're called outposts. Um, you can leave 
ship crew there that you can't fit on your ship and so you can have a bigger crew than the crew that are actually on each sortie with you um you can instruct them to harvest materials while you're gone out in the field and do a bunch of other stuff um, you can add crafting stations to your outposts that'll allow you to mod your weapons and that's another huge element of this just like most of bethesda's rpgs being able to attach elemental stuff to your weapons so you have these crazy guns that shoot ice or shoot electricity or whatever that's all part of the game. You're going to need to build crafting stations on your outposts in order to do a lot of the crafting of your weapons. Um, and then gravity changes are all over the game. It makes each combat situation unique, each planet unique, as far as how far you can jump, how your projectiles work. All that stuff is affected by the different gravity on all the different planets that you're going to visit. Mm-hmm. It really is Be just this... you don't accidentally leave the planet on a small one. Right, right. Yep. But, and in the combat, like, again, I know you said you felt the combat maybe was something that you were concerned about. Like, I've now watched this, like, three times. I'm really not concerned with it at all. I think the combat looks awesome. I do agree the enemies look a little passive at times. Mm-hmm. That could have been just them turning down the AI to get good footage for... Could have been. I, I, it's the AI that I'm mostly worried about. I don't, I'm sure it feels okay to play, although, I don't know, Fallout 4 didn't feel that great for me. But I'm you also, can, if you look at Fallout 4, you can kind of tell, even just watching yeah, it, that can. the combat is a little off. I also wonder, like, I mean, they've never quite gotten third person right. Yeah. I'm curious. That's the next factor for sure. One. I mean, I'm definitely gonna play this first I mean, person, but I probably will too. It just it's just easier to interact with things yeah. that way. But I know a lot of people that want to play. I know two people who uh, who bought an X got an Xbox uh, Series X this week for Starfield. Yeah, I don't uh, blame them. I can see why. And uh, they they're very excited about it, but like they're gonna play in third person because they want to be able to see their character. Yeah, and I hope that uh, it works. I hope they figured it out. Yeah, this one. Um. But that's pretty much everything that they covered in the Starfield Direct. Obviously, mining, scanning, things that you love a ton, Mm -hmm. Matt. It's like, this is what I hoped No Man's Sky was going to be. Well, I I never thought No Man's Sky would be You knew all along what it was going to be. I didn't. I thought it was going to be this, and it didn't end up being this. I think a lot of people feel that way, though. Yeah, I... They, I don't know where they got that idea. Probably because this is the game that's been in a lot of our heads forever. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as you see something that even slightly hints at it, you're like, what if it's there? That? It is. <laughs> but like, you know. But again, like Todd literally said that in the in the he's like, this has been we've been thinking about this for you know 30 years. Uh huh. Um, and now we we can finally do it. Um. So yeah, I mean, in terms of like realizing the exploration like dream of a game, uh, that, that you know that where No Man's Sky falls short in that. Um, yeah, this is exactly it. This is, you know, Scott, No Man's Skyrim with, uh, you know, <laughs> astrophysics included. Yeah, That'll absolutely. be the lower third for the, when we review it. Yeah. No Man's Skyrim. I'll remember that one. Um, but here's the outpost stuff. Like, the outpost stuff isn't just a little building that you plop down on the planet. It's like this whole huge system where you can build this mm. gigantic, like, facility for you and your crew Fill it up with stuff that's useful to you as you come back to it before you go out on your next sortie, your next mission. This game is just looking amazing, man. Yeah, I, I love the creatures in it. Although I, I know that I'm just going to like 
put all the necessary components together in a horrible mishmash way and like put them all workbench, 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 workbench. Decorations? What are those? Like, yeah, I'm care. terrible at building. I don't really care about the cosmetics and like anything. That. I get it functional. I'm like, how can I come into this building and very quickly do exactly what I need to do mm-hmm. and then leave? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I was better at that stuff, but I'm just not. I'm, I've never been into it. Like Animal Crossing, none of those games. I never care about like mm-hmm. whatever I'm, my place is, I'm building looks like. Um, and I think that ties over or carries over into other elements of games like Tears of the Kingdom, like building stuff in that. Like I feel like either you enjoy doing that kind of stuff or you don't. I'm a very just like function over fashion guy in almost every conceivable way, not just with games, but, like my life in general. Uh, but it do- does carry over into games as well. Like I build what I need to build to accomplish the mission. And that's pretty much where I draw the line. So mm-hmm. um, I like that games are giving options for people who do love to do that to, you know, build to their heart's content. It's just not a, an element of most games that I really dive too deeply into. So as long as it's intuitive and easy, it's going to be cool by me. And I hope it gives all the people who love doing that stuff all the crazy options and features that they want to. And I'll very happily go on YouTube and watch your videos of your awesome outposts that you've built in Starfield. It just won't be mine. Mm-hmm. Um but I am mega excited for this game. I can't even imagine how excited you are for it, Matt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you must be just honestly, beside I'm, yourself. I'm trying not to think about it. Yeah. Honestly. But I'm glad it's only like, well, it's less than two months. Yeah. We don't have much longer to wait, fortunately. No, three months. Yeah. Two and a half months. Yeah. And we've already talked about the 30 frames per second thing, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm, And we'll see. Like, I'm going to play it on PC, so we'll see if I can get more than 30 out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, so. you should be able to, I hope for so, sure. But we'll, I mean, we'll see. Uh, the, I will say that it, this will almost certainly support DLSS three, so which as whereas Jedi Survivor didn't. Jedi Survivor had a new patch this week, and uh, still didn't fix it. Fix stuff. Um, Erebus Jones asked, "Did you see the interview with Todd Howard where he described an encounter on a barren planet? Got caught in a sandstorm, took cover in a pirate ship that landed near him. It took off while he was still inside, so he had to take it over to can take control. Sounds awesome. Yes, yep. that emergent stuff is what I'm all mm-hmm. about." And you don't even, it doesn't even dawn on you, probably, until you've taken over the ship and you're flying into space. Mm-hmm. What just happened? Because it like, just happens. What? With all the systems there and the stuff mm-hmm. working together, those moments just organically happen. So I'm over the moon about Starfield. I think you guys should be, too. I would not let the 30 frames per second thing on Xbox Series worry you. Um, it is interesting, though. I wonder what it'll look like on Xbox Series S and how it'll run there. Mm-hmm. My guess is just runs at 21 whatever P. It doesn't run at full 4K. 1440 yeah. P, I guess, is where they would find yeah. the medium for it. So, um, game looks awesome. This, this is the show of awesome games. Final Fantasy 16 and now Starfield. As Matt said, we only have about two and a half months to wait for it. Not much yeah. longer. Um, they seem very confident in the game. They've talked about the huge QA uh-huh. team that's working on it and... They already have said that it's going to be the least buggy Bethesda game at launch, which, as you said last week, a very low bar to clear. Yeah, but but they know. I mean, they know. They know, they know their reputation. They know yeah. what people expect, and they're, I think they're hoping to beat those expectations. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's appearance at Naughty 3. And they've got Microsoft. Shifted my mind into overdrive. They've got Microsoft game. support behind them now. Right. So yeah. It's very All good. those resources. Yeah. Makes a big difference. So, yeah. Just and Microsoft knows time. this sucker got a hit. Yeah. How like, much more do you think we're going to see of this game before it comes out? A lot. You think so? I, I'm not, not necessarily in terms of like, oh, we're going to show you everything, but in terms of like push, I think they're going to push it hard. Yeah. 
Because they, they kind of showed you're going to see buses most stuff in, in that direction. Yeah, I think all the basics are in there. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see. I mean, also, what can you really show? Because it's going to be so different for everybody. Right. But like, I think Starfield is going to be pushed in terms of marketing. Like, I mean, look, man. Like, like I said before, the Redfall thing everybody was worried about. Like, there are people I know who follow games on a daily basis that do not know Redfall existed. Right. And there are people I know who have never haven't mentioned video games to me in a year. Who said, "Hey, when does that Starfield thing come out?" Yeah, so that's what it's me- all about. The message has gotten the message that they didn't want out has not gotten out, yeah. and the message they do want out has gotten out and has already sold a couple of Xboxes. Yeah, so and these are people that were pretty much going to wait until Dragon Age Four to buy a new system. One of the other, you know, yeah, they're waiting for Dragon Age Four. That was their big. Game. But Starfield has made them jump in. Truth like, is, so, they might be able to play Starfield until the next Dragon yeah. Age comes. Out. I mean, <laughs> odds are. I mean, that's the other thing about these games—the value that you get for them. Like, you can play them eighty hours easy. Yeah. I mean, I, this I, you could play for hundreds of hours. I'm guessing. Someone was, oh yeah, and someone was talking about like, you know, oh what, uh, how many, how many times have you finished Skyrim? And I'm like. Three? Yeah, like, that's what? crazy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that really is ridiculous. I played that game so many times yeah. and so long, and I never intend to, but I just do. You get sucked in. That's really my hope for this. Is this going to have, because Fallout 4 didn't, uh, but like, is this going to have that quality where I'm just like, oh, I didn't mean to play this for five hours. until 5 a.m., <laughs> Yeah. You know, after I've already played it for 200 hours, but here we are. You yeah. Know? No Man's Sky does that to me sometimes yeah. when they put the new updates out. Um, you just get hooked into it all over I'll, again. I'll load it up and see what it is like seven hours <laughs> later. It's seven like, oh. hours later. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go do this one thing. Yeah. Forty things later. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Fourteen forty p. Thirty for yeah, gonna, Series S. We're gonna need to do that Oscar thing where they nominate ten game of the years. Seriously this though. Year. Yeah. I mean, one Supermaster gamer. There's a lot of game of the year contenders so far, and yeah. it's dude. I we're saw, in June. Yeah. I saw. A, we're uh, in June. I saw a thread on Reset Era that was like, it was like, is, should Hi-Fi Rush be a game of the year contender, game of the year nominee? A normal and year? He was like, yeah. And any other year, probably. But like this year, this year no chance. I mean, I don't know if anyone's even remember it. And it's like it deserves it. It's really yeah. good, yeah. but, it, it's, but. It's, I don't. And I'm not saying my, me personally, I wouldn't put it in a, in a nominee list. But mm-hmm. like, I don't think anyone's gonna remember that game. I wouldn't fight with somebody who did. No, no. Yeah, no. that's the kind of year we're having. It's again, we're only halfway through. We like, still have so many. If Hi Fi Rush had come out last year, it would have been a serious. Oh yeah. Conversation. Oh, particularly last year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, 2023, man, bringing it. It's really awesome. Uh, okay, let's move on. After two freaking incredible games, we're going to share with you our picks for our best of not E3 2023. Um, again, this is not our usual award stuff for our game of the year where we have 25 categories and two nominee and all this. It's not that. We're having fun with it. It's very light and very simple uh, for our, our best of not E3 for this year because that's just kind of the way the show is now. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna do two up and two down. If you're new to Game Faces, it's something we do every once in a while after big events. We basically pick two games um, that our hype level went way up after the event and two games where our hype level went way down after the event. And then we're gonna pick our most disappointing game of not E3 2023. And then we're going to pick a winner and a runner up for game of show for not E3 2023. And that's it. That's all we're going to do. So um, we're keeping it simple this year. We're keeping it quick because we have a lot to get to in this episode. So we're going to start with two up, two down, and we're going to start with an up. Matt, what is your first up? Um, I'm going to look up the text to you because it's not on my rundown. Uh, my first up is Fable. Oh, Fable was your first up. 
Uh, are we going backwards or forward? Whatever. Well, I had another game as your first up. All right. Well, then the first up is Starfield. Yep. <laughs> yep. And do we need to even explain why it I went up? We just did that. Yeah. But the other thing to keep in mind here too is but we that, finally saw it. That's what. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's up. That's like, why it's up. <laughs> well, that's what. But two up and two down is about affecting your existing expectations of a game, mm-hmm. basically. So you you ha- you were at a certain level of excitement over something, and then after the event happened, either that went up or went down. Yeah. And Matt is saying that. His excitement for Starfield exponentially shot into the sky, and I cannot disagree with you one bit. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is that my expectations for it were already really high. Yeah, so are mine. But like this, this really, it's really more like, oh, I think they might have done it. Yeah, kind of thing. You know, I they already actually had pulled it review, off. But it's like I, I, I have actual reason to believe maybe this is gonna be mm-hmm. as good as I hoped it would be. Yeah. So, oh, I agree with you. So that's, so that's that's the main up on that. I think for me, once Bethesda moved to Microsoft. And it got, it received all those resources and the support with the engine and QA. My expectations for it went up um, just organically from that. Yeah. Um, and so I was pretty excited for this already. They had shown us a gameplay trailer that actually had a lot of stuff in it if you really kind of went frame by frame. Yeah. So yeah. my hype level was already pretty high. Not E3, certainly didn't hurt. Um, so I can totally understand where it would be one of your picks. My first up is. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Mm. I liked Marvel Spider-Man, and I loved Miles Morales, um, but they weren't, like, Game of the Year games for me. Like, I think they're really good, and they're great action games based on an IP that I really like, but they never kind of transcended other games. Like, I never considered the first Spider-Man as Game of the Year, the year it came out, even though I was like, yeah, it's a high eight or whatever for me. I, never, I mean, that was, it was definitely, it would have, like, number two or something for me. I don't think I gave it Game of the Year. You that. didn't, I don't believe. I think I gave that, was it Sekiro? What I think it, so. Was that that year? I believe. What was 2018? I don't remember. 2018 was 20 years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> to Chat's point, to one Super Master Gamer's point, after its appearance at not E3, this game is now, mm-hmm. like, a Game of the Year contender for yeah. me. I So I didn't consider this one because I thought the Sony thing was too soon to be considered... E3, I probably E3. should have let you know that I included that as well. Mm-hmm. Would you have included this? Yes, this would, have been, this would have been instead of Fable. Oh, okay. For sure. Oh, instead of Fable. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, my, this game shot way up on my hype scale. Because I'm going to be honest, not a lot of games shot up. It was hard to find ups. Yeah. Much easier to find downs. Yes, I, yes it was. Unfortunately, I hate to say that, but it's kind of true. Um, but after seeing the big chunk of gameplay that they showed just you know there's like five or six scenes in that that i was just like oh okay and as we've learned more about it after sony showcase as insomniac has shared details here and there it my hype level for this just keeps going up um and so for me marvel spider-man 2 is one of the games that shot up the most for me over the last let's say what's it been three weeks four weeks something like that yeah Yeah. of not e3 that's how long it's been going on now um okay because that was like the thursday that was the day after our first show back right yeah yeah Mm mm-hmm so yeah, almost a month. Yeah, been about a month. That's how long Naughty 3 lasts now. Um, okay, Matt, it's time for your first down. Uh, my first down is uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage. And you know I'm not going to argue with you on this one. No. And, I, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to it. I still you know, I still am looking forward to the return of kind of the old the old format of Assassin's Creed. And I love the Baghdad setting. And, like, you know, I'm, in- I'm interested. I've got, I want to play it. But this... As a return to sort of the old form, I was hoping for more of a, you know, a, um, 
a reimagining and have the how the early ones worked where you had to kind of recon the area and figure mm-hmm. out how you're going to assassinate scope it out scope yeah. everything out and kind of like the, the assassination was sort of the central idea of each kind of section of the game it's called assassin's creed right. by the way and really only the first one did that <laughs> i know but it's this really one crazy. this one feels a little more like they're going back more to the black flag rogue unity mm-hmm. template which is fine i like black flag and rogue however the main reason i like black flag and rogue is because you spend so much time on a boat and one of the, my least favorite thing about Black Flag and Rogue is when they make you get off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not super encouraging to see that this looks a lot like playing those games. And I might be wrong. There might be more to it. They might not be doing a real, you know, of a, a, a super accurate vertical slice of how the assassinations will be put together over the course of the game. But just what they showed here makes me go, like, oh, okay. They're kind of just bringing it back to sort of where they left off before they switched to the big open world RPG idea. Do you think and the anime stuff might come back more? I mean, the anime stuff will be in it, but I don't think they'll ever focus on it the way they used to because everybody hates it so much except me. But, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's an interesting part of the story. I also think they just haven't known what to do with it since I three. Agree. You know, like they, they for what for two games you were like a Ubisoft employee, right. and then yeah. like all the Layla stuff in the ancient trilogy doesn't really go anywhere. Like yep. I don't, I you know, I, I vaguely know what Layla's trying to do in those three games, but in the end, I'm like. She hasn't shown up in Valhalla in 130 hours or something, yeah. and I really don't know what the point of all of it right. was. Yeah, they so, just kind of bailed on it, honestly. I like the idea of the Animus and the modern-day stuff being contrasted with the historical stuff, but if you don't have a good idea for how to do that, yeah, I guess it's better to just sort of say it's Act in the like Animus and exist. never fucking talk about it again. <laughs> you know, yeah, basically. That's kind of what's happening. Besides, like. my favorite thing about the Animus stuff is that the 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 data entry the data entry stuff and all the uh, the the you know the the encyclopedia you build up was written by Sean, who's very funny, mm-hmm. and his commentary in the various biographies of the different characters you meet was funny. So I would like that to come back, mm-hmm. but other than, I don't really need to go around solving people's like computer login puzzles in a video game development studio like in yeah. Black Flag. That was yeah. not my favorite part of that. Yeah. I can see why they moved away because you're right. It felt like they didn't know what to do with it after yeah. a while. Um, but it'll be interesting to see well, how they... They, sort of, they just sort of punted on the, the Desmond story, I mm-hmm. guess, because they were... Because that was, I think, supposed to originally be... That's supposed to climax with a story, a game set in 2012 where you were playing as Desmond, learning using all the things he'd learned from being his ancestors to stop... Uh, uh, the Templars from causing the end of the world in 2012. Yeah. And then they chickened out on that and, uh, you know, they lost, uh, um, what's it, Kristen Bell. So they, no, right. they couldn't really do anything with that character anymore. And it all sort of unraveled and that Here was the we end are. of it. Yeah. And then <laughs> they didn't know what to do after that. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, so obviously, I'm not going to argue with you on Assassin's If you watched last week's episode, you know I will not argue about Assassin's Creed Mirage going down from not E3. Uh, my first down is Hellblade 2. I um I considered this just because we got nothing. Yeah. I mean, basically, this is what we got. They showed... So we got this, mm-hmm. and then they showed a trailer showing off this, basically. Just their... Yeah. They do have awesome facial tech. Oh, yeah. It but looks, we don't need amazing. to see that anymore. Like, we... That's not what... It, this game has been in development for a long time at this point. Like, we should have seen a chunk of gameplay. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they didn't makes me very nervous about the game's development cycle and what is happening with the game. I mean, I'm not particularly nervous about it. I just think I think they I think they took this game back to square one at least once. Probably. Um, I'm worried about it. Honestly, I'm worried that it's in danger and, and in trouble. I'm not. 
I think it's just taking a long time to get it right. It's been a long time already. I would be more worried if they just released it they broken care. or a mess or whatever yeah. it is. That's not Ninja Theory's style. Yeah. Ninja Theory's never put out a bad game. That's true, but I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm starting to lose a little faith in that game. Because let's be honest, the first Hellblade, it wasn't a bad game, but it was pretty limited. Like, yeah. It wasn't, I think that's what's happening here is they want to they want to expand the sequel out way beyond what they did in that first game and they had to workshop it. Basically. I'm afraid that they're struggling trying to do that. I don't think they are. I think it just took a long time to get it right. Yeah. Regardless, what it was shown of it at Naughty Three was very disappointing to me, and my it definitely made my hype level go down for it. Like now, I'm just kind of like, when it shows up, I'll play it. I, my excitement for it has mm-hmm. almost dwindled to nothing at this point. That's that's not for me. I mean, I I'm it's still one of my most wanted games, but it's just like the down on this for this was just like, oh, okay, we don't need to worry about that in probably in a year and a half. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know they said 2024. I do not think that's early 2024. If they didn't show a bunch of gameplay now, yeah, it's hard to believe it would come out then. So yeah. I think we're looking at a holiday next year. Yeah. Kind of thing, which is disappointing. Like, it is. It's a it's that's a reason for it to go down. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I, I definitely considered it. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that they're just being coy and they're like, you know what, we're just going to show this game when it's going to blow everyone's doors off. I hope that's what's going on, but I have my doubts. So Hellblade 2 is one of my two down for not E3 2023. Next are ups. And this one we agree on. And Mm -hmm. our up is Fable. Fable. Both of us agree that Fable is a game that shot up from not E3 personally. You know, my hype level for this was very low because it was being created by a studio that only made racing games. And there's a still a little bit of concern for me, but they've already impressed me with the concept behind the game. Like, I don't understand why the first Fable wasn't like this. Why was it named Fable if it didn't take part or take place in Fables? I think it was just the name they came up with that was like a fantasy thing yeah it was kind of a fable like, a it was, it was, in and of itself it was it didn't deal with existing fables and i don't want to um, take too much credit for playground games for taking the title of the ip literally mm-hmm. but i'm gonna give them a little bit of credit for taking the title literally no, it's a good it's a good angle on it it I think, is i think the because you recognize the fable elements from the old games here but you also recognize they're taking in a different direction the the humor is similar but i think if i'm honest at least judging by this trailer, it's a little smarter. Yeah. Um, and but it's still kind of got the wackiness. It's still got the the uh, the the irreverence yep. for the source material. That's a good word you for know? it. Yeah. Um, and it's not willing to kind of turn things on its head, like the fact that he turns out to be the giant. Yeah. And that's very that's very funny. And like there's there's the anachronisms that are there, which I think is funny. Um, so this basically just made me think that oh, this is on the right track. Yep. Um, they, they, and I was not confident in that at yeah. all. And now you've got, you know, this is this is all in engine. It's all yeah. in game. Like the, the it also the, looks amazing. The fighting stuff earlier, there were there are guys who work at Playground are saying like, I did that fighting anime. That's from the that's from the fighting in the game. Yeah. Like I made that animation. Yeah. And so like we are looking at the game very you know cinematically presented, but that is what it's it's, all in what engine. it looks like. Yeah. Um. Great. I mean, yeah. again, looks really far out. I mean, again, like, who knows? Yeah, they say in 2024. I wouldn't be surprised if that turns out to not be true. Yeah. But, like, I'm sure they're aiming for it. But yeah. we'll see. Um, but if no. If we got to see some real gameplay at maybe, like, the Game Awards, that would... Could be. That would uh, help boost I also my think confidence. The, like, yeah, but all this stuff, the animator said that that's combat. Yeah, you like, can tell. That's, that's it. Yeah. It's just no HUD and no, you know, the camera's not in the place it would be when we're playing. But, like... No, I, this is this is a very. I was never too worried about playground, you know, because you know, 
as as they've said, an open world game is not super different from a racing game. Well, it's I mean, just, it's the just racing how, game is open world. It's just how fast the camera's moving through the world. Yeah, know? I'm more concerned about I will say character some, animation and writing and uh, that's I mean, I mean I'm not because that was just not a focus of Forza. Like you don't you, need But to, it was really bad. Right, but it doesn't need to be good. <laughs> I guess. That's the thing. Like you, if you got to cut something, you got to put your money somewhere else on that Forza game. Yeah, you skimp on the on the humans because yeah. they don't matter. In this, they do matter, and there are no cards. Yeah, um, I mean, studios have surprised. Me I will before. say, there's a couple places where, like, Guerrilla Games. There's a couple know, I never places where that they could make Horizon. So, I'm. I mean, it's not. People aren't locked into genres in development. I don't believe that for one second. Um, I will say that there's some grass in this that is very clearly Forza Horizon grass. <laughs> I'm sure there's more than that. This... Which is fine because yeah. it's a gorgeous game, but yeah. you don't usually see it that close that that long. Right? <laughs> That's true. Um. But yeah, for both of us, this game shot up. Yeah. From not E3. And for me, my expectations of it were really, really There's low. There's a lot of sandwiches in this presentation. Yeah, there are, for some reason. <laughs> Why everybody, everybody at Microsoft's development teams are really focused on lunch. Or they're just eating lots of sandwiches because they're not going home very, very often. And that's the easiest thing that you can make. I eat a lot of sandwiches for that very reason. Uh, okay, it's time for our last downs and once again matt we agreed on Mm. our second down and that is alan wake 2 i don't understand what people are talking about with get like e not e3 sent them over the moon with this game what why how i don't know i mean i I, horror games are not for me i think they're dumb i I love horror games. i think they're boring and they've only gotten more boring and more dumb to me over the last like 10 years you're gonna love the last hour of today's episode matt oh yeah (laughs) because there's two horror games that we still have to talk about today actually i like the original of one of those yeah but okay (laughs) well that's encouraging at least but like i didn't play the new new thing but like no this just i don't know and i'm not i've never been a huge alan wake fan i'm not a gigantic fan of the original it's fine fine. yeah i think it sold about as well as it deserved to sell the light the light mechanics were cool for the time it was it was an interesting idea and i'm a big fan of true detective i would add yeah and people are saying that this is like alan true detective wake or something Yeah, i can see that i can i just i don't know i just i I know that I'd play like two hours of this and get bored and go do something else. Like Maybe it's, it's that because it's a horror, not because of what it is, but it's just it, and it doesn't have anything particularly different happening. Um, I loved Control. I really liked Control. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. It was kind of that, that SCP element to it. Yep. It was a different angle. It's clearly in the same universe. So I was kind of like, oh yeah, I could play some more Alan Wake if this is. Uh, but no, this is just the same same old I mean, you you show me this footage outside of the shot of him at the typewriter, and I'm not going to know what game this is. Yeah, you wouldn't even know it's Alan Wake. That's true. <laughs> Cuz when you Alan Wake it was all about the light. Yeah. This is going to be it just looks like horror game number 49. It looks like me. a like Resident Evil whatever. Yeah. yeah. Although I I like most of the Resident Evil remakes now. That's so, true. Yeah. So I wouldn't include them in the horror games I don't care about anymore yeah. because like those those remakes are actually doing pretty well. And actually and you know 7 and 8 were were good. Like yeah. But like generally this sort of like you know this whatever I guess if you want to call it like new wave horror like the that come came after like sort of the Outlast and Amnesia boom like this the you know the boom of like people screaming like idiots on streams at horror games that aren't actually that scary right. like all the all the stuff that got influenced by that like, I don't find that interesting. I mean, let's be honest, Matt. Most horror games are not scary at all. No, like no. that's just acting. These people that get yeah, scared. Of course, of course. It's all fake. If you're that afraid of Five Nights at Freddy's, you probably need some help. <laughs> Like, don't get a Twitch account. Go see somebody. Yeah, you have PTSD. Yeah. Because you're just reacting from, like... Yeah, you had a very bad showbiz pizza visit one day, and you probably need to talk to someone about that. 
You got molested at the Chuck E. Cheese or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, so anyway, that's for both of us. Alan Wake Two is a game that our hype level went down after it showing. And digital and- Reflux makes an interesting. Like, yeah, it's weird that it's only digital. Like, I yeah, why is that? I guess just you. They that must say something about their expectations. I guess Maybe. it's not going to be worth spending the money to put it in the retail channels. Could be. Maybe horror is more. A digital niche now? Possible. I don't know. I, I don't know. They have the data, so they know how it's tracking. So my guess is whatever data they have fed into that decision. Uh, yeah, I, I assume so. Yep. So anyway, there you go. Those are our two up and two down for Not E3 2023. Now we're going to share our most disappointing moment, product, thing, game, hardware, whatever from Not E3 2023. Matt, what's your pick? That would be Silk Song's No Show. Yeah. What the hell's going on with this game? I don't know. I mean, they did say, like, I think a month or so ago that the game has just become gigantic. and Yeah, it sounds like it really spun out of, like, the Almost out of control, which makes me nervous. But it's not going away. It's not being canceled. It's going to show up eventually. But you're right. Like, why wouldn't it be at not E3? I mean, it's been in development for, like, four years at this point? Three years? It's been a long time. Yeah. And I know you got to, I mean, you got to fine tune this thing pretty hard. I mean, you do. I mean, Hollow Knight as well. Was, Otherwise, people will hate it. Right. It, it, you're, you're, you're trying to match up to Hollow Knight, which is like a big, big ass. Yeah. Um, so I get that you got to take the time to make it good, to make it perfect, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really <laughs> taking a lot. Like, there's a point where you should probably just not talk about it until... Until it's And, and just, they aren't. I mean, I guess, yeah, you know, I guess to, to be, be fair, fair, it's really... Since that last presentation with Microsoft claiming it would be out in the next year... Well, it's supposed to come out right now on Game Pass. Right this, yeah, the first this half time. of 2023 on Game Pass, it was supposed to. And here we are. Yeah. So, but I mean, obviously, I prefer, I prefer them to get it right and take the time needed to make it good and make it finished. But it's still disappointing that it's you know this was sort of the last moment in the first half of 2023 where you're like, well, maybe. I mean, even if it's the release date's like December, like maybe you could do. But no, like something. It's also funny to watch this trailer from before it was its own game when right, it, was it was just DLC. going to be DLC yeah. for Hollow Knight. It's like new dungeons, new bosses. Now the whole thing's new. Yeah, it's a whole big... I'm Somehow, just, this project has spiraled out of control. I was disappointed not to see it, too. I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm not super surprised not to see yeah. it, but I it was disappointing. It's like I was... There was a little bit of hope there. Yep. Well, if you watched last week's episode of Game Phase, you probably know already what my most disappointing thing is from Not E3 2023, and it's Assassin's Creed Mirage. It bothered me so much and was so off-putting to me that I didn't even put it in one of my two downs. I just straight up labeled it as most disappointing thing at all of not E3. Um, I'm not a huge, like, animus guy. Like, I I'd like the duality of the story, but I agree with you. It kind of flew off the rails after a while. Like, I felt like the first couple games, it was great. Like, I remember there was mm-hmm. this girl, Megan, used to work with me at game trailers, and she would come into my office and talk to me about the whole storyline of the animus for, like, an hour like, she would come in and sit down with her lunch, and she'd talk to me about it for the, her whole lunch. <laughs> and she, I'd get lost. Like, the, all the golden apple and all this crap. Mm-hmm. I was just like, she had traced it all out. And now I wonder, like, how she feels, because it's all kind of falling apart. Yeah. But I've never been a well, A lot of the people that were kind of in charge of writing that part ended up leaving, mm-hmm. and, like, they got over, overridden. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff that was planned for this series early on that never happened, because basically Ubisoft marketing saw it as a new golden calf and would or golden goose rather and yeah. would never wouldn't let them mess yeah that's why they all wear a uniform yeah because 
Ezio is supposed to wear normal Renaissance era Italian man clothing, and the marketing's like, no, he's got to he's got to wear the the hood and all this stuff. And they're like, well, but you, they're assassins. The whole point is that nobody knows where they live. Blend in with the crowd. He's like, like, nope, he's got to be on the cover with the with the pointy hood. Like, and like, so that's why they all that's why the assassins all wear the same outfit, and the Templars dress however they want, <laughs> which makes no sense yeah this scene but, is what really did it for me seeing the interaction the writing and the voice acting and the facial animation this is what really put me I over mean, the you can definitely point. tell that this is a smaller project like yeah this is, this is a and this i guess this is like kind of what we're gonna get from now on is sort of like there's gonna be the big ones and these these ones. things yeah and this is the first time I, other than like those 2d like obviously indie things that they made yeah. Or this like the to portable, me is a step back. Like I was portable ones. For you know, there's yeah. there's an, there's, an, there's part of me that feels like this is sort of the current day equivalent of like when they would. Um, I can't remember the was it Liberation, like when they upres the, the the was that the PSP one? Oh, that they upres and released it on consoles. Yeah, yeah I, some of the it was Liberation. Ones. Yeah, um, which like it looked fine. No, you're right. It kind of has, that but same it wasn't vibe. quite up yeah. to par with the rest of the stuff that was coming out, know, like in terms of visual quality and all that. It reminds me of that. It's like, oh, it's a full-fledged game, but but it's not the A-list kind of thing. Yeah. That you would, and like, I mean, to me, that's kind of fine, but it is not. It's not what I'm used to from Assassin's Creed. No, no, but maybe it's what Assassin's Creed needs to yeah. do. I mean, look, there's a there's a small it's been, part of me. I, I was I was frankly stunned when I was playing uh, Valhalla this week, and I looked at one of my early like my earlier saves. I was like, oh my god, that was three years ago. Yeah. It's been three years since it's an Assassin's Creed. It's pretty crazy. It is, yeah. There's a small part of me that hopes that I am 1,000% wrong in this game, and that I've beaten myself into submission to think that I won't like it, and then I hope that I do end up liking it, but... I think you will probably feel better about it once it's rolling and you're playing it and you're not, you know, looking at all the faces the same way. Yeah. You know? Like, because I'll be honest, like... When was the last time you really paid attention to the story in a Assassin's Creed game? <laughs> Sadly, that's like I've true. had the subtitles and the sound subtitles on and the sound down on Valhalla for like a hundred hours, just sort of skipping through the dialogue. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, Ragnarok, Valhalla. Yeah, I, I know. Like, okay, yes, I got to go do the thing. We're gonna do the thing. Cinetic says, "I love the original AC Animus stuff, and have felt it went downhill on AC ever since." Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I was into it at first too. I mean, I but think it's never the, went anywhere. The end of, I mean, the end of two were the were the the whatever the the I don't remember the name of the the ancient civilization. Oh, the other tech, people yeah. or whatever the hell the they were the called. first yeah. world, the first yeah. civilization people, were, yeah. and they like and like the one. It's like it's, I'm not talking to you, Ezio. Desmond and it, yeah. and, and it just cuts to black and, and Desmond's like what the fuck yeah, and that's yeah. the end of the game it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, like well that was really cool like, well, you're like oh my god wall. what are they gonna do and right. then it's like the answer was like not much not nothing really, really. <laughs> um yeah, so this to me was the most disappointing thing at not E3 and a lot of it had to do with my expectations they were high you know I thought this was gonna be a big budget trip triple A whatever you want to call it Assassin's Creed game that just went back to its roots as it turns out it's more of like a little side project with a smaller team. That could be okay. I'm just saying that, you know, based upon where I was before Naughty 3 and where I am now, this game dropped drastically for me, unfortunately. Um, and now... And now, of course, the, the challenge of any game in the fall of 2023 is to make me want to skip... Uh, make me want to stop playing Starfield oh, to play it instead. Right. That's the tall order. It might maybe, be. maybe maybe five weeks later, yeah. Assassin's Creed has a shot, but <laughs> I don't know. Yep. 
Well, now it's time to get to the good stuff. I feel like we've been banging on stuff for the last like 10 or 15 minutes. It's time to get to the stuff that we really liked. We're going to give a runner-up and a winner for our game of the show. I'm just going to tell you right now, Matt and I's picks are identical for both our runner-up and our winner, Matt. It wasn't a really broad field, but... I kind of hinted at this in last week's episode. I kind of foreshadowed it. Um, Our runner-up for game of the show Mm -hmm. is Star Wars Outlaws. Yep. My struggle was between this and another game. The only reason it's not in the up is because it wasn't announced before now. Right, so there couldn't be any yeah. expectations for it, really. I had almost kind of forgotten that Ubisoft was making a Yeah, Star I mean, Wars I knew game. that was that I knew was it was coming, like, but like I had just kind of put it in the back, assuming, like, well, if it's like, yay, we're not going to see it for another five years or whatever. I mean, the, out, I mean, the rumors on this started about four years ago. Yeah. It was like they... Well, was, you can tell they've been working on it that long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Like... The only reason this didn't win is because less of it was shown mm-hmm. than the game that I ultimately, and I think people have probably figured out at this point what our game of the show is, but it just not, it really, the only reason I picked the other game over this one was because the other game, we saw way more of it yeah. than this, but what I saw of this, on par with the other game, in my opinion, in different ways, but still on par. And obviously, the IP for me personally helps. I think it helps for you too. Yeah. It definitely gives it a bump. Um but, you know, we gushed all over this through last week's episode. I think you guys know why we're really excited for it. I mean, it's why you're excited for it, too. Um, the media for this has done big numbers mm-hmm. on Sifted. It's interesting to-, to me that even the people, like the, the, the casual people that just are Star Wars fans who play a game of it, Star Wars, that I know, they all said the same thing you did. As soon as she got on the bike and got out into the world like oh oh it dawned like, on it, like, it, was yeah. like, it was like oh everybody has that quick revelation I'm like oh this isn't just a sneak around do shit thing yep. you can go around the world and, and do like, wherever yeah. you want yeah. yeah and the world is believable in and the end it's a it was a very smartly structured gameplay review it was yeah yeah i do hope though to your point it just point, kept getting wider and bigger and bigger and bigger and you're like yeah. oh you can do that oh yeah until it became like because either it's almost expecting you to be like well it's cool that you can ride a speeder bike but it's not really star wars if you can't go to another planet oh you can't oh, yeah, yeah. Plan- <laughs> oh you can fly around. oh well, it'd be nice if you could like actually fly this oh you can fly the ship yeah. okay i can fly the well what about other- oh you can go to other planets <laughs> it's like it's, well, it's just like, keeps like going and keeps it's going, like that whole going. i that whole internet phrase of well that escalated quickly yeah like that describes that demo in a nutshell um, just awesome, awesome stuff. I cannot wait. I think the wait's going to be excruciating and yeah. probably a little longer than I mean, think, if this but... was coming out in like September, October, it would have been very hard to balance it with my number one pick. I, yeah. I, I would have almost been a coin flip. Yeah. But, but, it, similar similar subject matter, but very different takes. But like, it's fulfilling two different fantasies. But like, it's, yeah, that's a, that's a Star Wars, another, again, another game that's been in your head forever. That, that they here finally, it is. Finally looks like they made it. Yep. And that's a nice segue into our picks for game of the show for not E3 2023. I'm sure you guys have all figured it out by now. It is Starfield. Um, we just talked about it for like 30 minutes. I think you guys understand why we're really excited for it. And hopefully you guys are excited for it too. Um, we saw 45 minutes of the game. Most of it. Well, 17 minutes. Right. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> 17 minutes. Almost all of it real gameplay uh, that was taken from captures from Bethesda. Um, I mean, really, the only X factor at this point, Matt, is how buggy is it going to be? I mean, that's really what it comes down to, um, I think, for everybody. Um, you know, some people might be a little snobby about the 30 frames per second thing on consoles. Yeah. But otherwise, I, I think care. people's big concerns are it's a Bethesda game. Bethesda's games usually have a lot of bugs. Is this game going to be really buggy at launch? I think that's the last X factor remaining for Starfield. Otherwise, mm-hmm. everything they've shown me, I am on board a thousand percent. Um 
because of what we've seen, we've, we understand the whole breadth of the game. It was an easy pick for me, ultimately, when I really sat down and thought about it for a game of the show. What about you? What made you put it over Outlaws? It's coming soon. Yeah. That's really, I mean, it's, you, yeah, we saw more of it, but also, like, it's it's imminent. Yeah. So that's yep. more exciting to me. But definitely. I mean, and again, we saw a lot more of it than we saw of pretty much any other game mm. at not E3. Really, any other game. We saw more of this than anyone. Yeah. So... Um, it's an awesome concept. It looks like it's being executed well. They weren't afraid to show us a ton of it. Our game of the show for Naughty 3 2023 is Starfield. And there you go. Usually our best of E3 awards take like two hours. <laughs> this time, yeah. it took about 15 minutes. Um, and I still feel like we got to hit on all like the highlights and the lowlights of Not E3 2023. Um, let's see if people are saying anything. Uh, Vincent says, maybe MK1... Had more total raw gameplay from all the outs. True. Yeah, that's true. Because they let people they capture. Get, they get to capture their own. But as yeah. far as what the publisher put out, um, it had, I think it was seven mm. minutes of gameplay or whatever they put out officially. Um, but a good point, and I'll say this too. MK1, I considered it. It in there, yeah. It was up there it. for sure. It was in I my just, mind. It wasn't quite the same kind of, you know, up because it just Mortal Kombat. It also it hadn't changed as much as I thought it was. What they had said about it, and then when we saw it, the changes weren't as drastic as I thought. Right. Well, that's it, it pretty much exactly what I was expecting it to be. So there wasn't much up to happen. Yeah. But there's no down. Like, yeah. it, it looks looks good. Looks yeah. like and I, the cameo characters don't bother cool. me. Like no. the changes they made, they all seem to make sense. But it was definitely up there. Jam Rain, thank you for gifting all these mm -hmm. tier one subs. I like that you gifted a sub to Lesteved. <laughs> yeah. I think they're the, random. The owner, uh, I know it just it is random, yeah. but it's funny that he ended up gifting one to Lesteved, who is the owner of LS Cream. And our mm -hmm. sponsor. So even he, if even he shows up and gets free stuff for our live broadcast of Game Face. Um, Nexus Batty is reminding us that Matt Booty said AAA games now take four to six years to develop. We mentioned yeah. that in last week's episode. And Emperor yeah. Dread says Pragmata got unannounced. Yeah. Should have been <laughs> Disannounced. That could only be, be a down if I cared about Pragmata. And look, I thought Hot about take. Pragmata as a down, but I was like, there was no up for there yeah, to be a cares? down. Yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, it looks weird, it but is, like, but I had no excitement or hype no. for it. It was just like it's this. Yeah, weird I, I am thing. completely neutral on pragmatic. Yeah, yeah. So there was. I'm no very, way. that's very pragmatic, really. Yeah, it is. It is appropriately titled. Yeah. So there was no needle moving there with Pragmata. So I didn't make it. Didn't make the cut for me. Yeah, it's not like, like Silk Song. I really want to play right now. Pragmata is just more of like, hmm, all right. Yeah, Cinetech reminds us that Ubisoft never really concluded the original AC story. It just no. eventually decided to milk the franchise into oblivion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were already doing that even before that happened i mean revelations is probably still the worst game in the series yeah um it's either revelation or three like it it really hit a and after patrice left they changed how the controls worked and i never quite got used to them again because yeah. they, they used to give you full control over each limb of the right. body and how you could climb they and simplified it for the and average they simplified Joe. it down and that just meant that edward you know ed kenway and um and connor and all they just get, get caught on barrels they you just didn't have it used to be you held the button to go loud, mm -hmm. but and that, at, with starting with three, if you just accidentally left the arbitrary space that was marked as the bush, all of a sudden everybody in the world could see you. Yeah, and that was yeah. the end of it. Like it was just it just didn't work for me in the same way. Like it was yep. um, it, they never quite figured that out. So that's the other kind of thing I'm nervous about with Mirage is it feels like they're just going back to that standard thing, which I never enjoyed playing very much. A lot of people complaining about Alan Wake being digital only. I think we trained you guys to buy physical, huh? <laughs> a lot of people are... I'm surprised how many people are bringing it up. Yeah, I, don't, I don't own a single PS5 physical game. I have a bunch. I have probably... I don't know. Not a bunch. Like 
25 maybe something like that i have not bought a single physical copy of a game this generation in fact the first actually the first physical copy of a game this generation i think was the collector's edition of jedi survivor Mm. which i didn't i only wanted the lightsaber i didn't care about the game in that and same thing with starfield like I bought the collector's edition of that, but I want the watch. I don't care about the game. Clay UK Garage 1988 says physical is nice for my shelf. I don't have a lot of room left on the shelves, so yeah, like that's, all, that's that's already. But I got plenty of physical games. Personally. I don't have any room. Period. I've been living in the same apartment for forever, and all our closets, everything has been packed full for years now. Mm-hmm. I have no more room for like anything. Anything else that I get now, if you come to my place, you're going to see it. Because <laughs> there's no more room under the beds. There's no more room in the closets and the cabinets. It's all full. Until I own a home, that's the way it's going to be, yeah. unfortunately. Sneaky says physical is always, always cheaper. Not here. Yeah, it's not that way in the U.S. Yeah. But it is true in like Canada oh, yeah, and yeah. Europe. Like a lot of times, it's crazy that physical is cheaper. Yeah. It's so and weird. Sometimes, like here, it's like it's even if you can find a physical right. copy. Like yeah. sometimes Best Buy didn't even get anything unless it's like one of the big releases. Good luck. Yep. You, you know, there's no fries anymore. GameStop is like doesn't exist in most places. Yeah, a lot of them uh, have gone finding out of business. Game, you know, oh, I didn't actually. I don't think I told that story on here where I as soon as it went up for pre-order, I pre-ordered the collector's edition on GameStop because it was the first pre-order that went up. And they canceled my order the next day because they were not able to fulfill demand. Just like Resident Evil 4 Collector's Edition, except they canceled that the day of release. Mm-hmm. People were not happy about yeah, it. Yeah. But they, they basically they sent me... A, also, they put the wrong address on my order. I, when my order came in, like it was because it was supposed to be a pickup at the store order. And the store was right. But it had my address as some address in Michigan I've never heard of, and I certainly never typed in. Yeah. And I don't know. And I looked it up on Google Maps, just a house in, Mich- in like suburban Michigan. That's weird. I don't know what the hell that was. So I actually wrote them back a little thing. I'm like, hey, this is the wrong address. I know I'm picking up at the store, whatever. But like, can you make sure this is okay? And I got a message back the next day. It's like, oh, like we fixed it, but then they canceled the order. So I guess you don't have to worry about it. Sorry. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, now I ordered it from Bethesda's store, you know, direct store yeah. right after that went live. So I still have one coming. I don't care that GameStop canceled it. Yeah. But it's like, maybe that's why you're going out of business. Maybe. Shits. Might be. Because they don't have the money to buy enough stock to meet demand. Yeah. That's a bad situation it, for a retail business to find itself in. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so anyway, there you go. Those are our best and worst of not E3 2023. We got four games to get through, so we got we can spend 10 minutes on each one, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm prepared to do that, by the way. The first one we're going to talk about is the System Shock remake. I played this a long time ago. Finally, we're able to talk mm-hmm. about it today. I played the demo back which even longer ago. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I'm going to say about it is that I cannot believe how well it holds up. The game is almost 30 years old. Not only does it still hold up, you can just see shadows of so many franchises that would come yeah. after System Shock. Obviously, Bioshock. Ken Levine worked on System Shock. He ended up making mm. a spiritual successor to System Shock yeah. in the Bioshock Everything franchise. Ken Levine ever made. Deus Ex. Yeah. Uh, all that's every Immersive Sims. What we namely call immersive yeah. Sims today. I mean, but you can see the shadows of all that stuff in this game. And... I'm, I, I am shocked at how much I have loved this remake. You play, for those of you who don't know, because the game is old AF. First of all, the first thing you can do, and I just want to stop it right here. This is something all games should do. The difficulty settings in this game, you can set the difficulty for four different elements in the game. Mm. And the first thing I would say to you is if you're going to play the System Shock remake, set the puzzles to the easiest setting you can. <laughs> There's only two puzzle types in the whole game. One of them is like... 
move the nodes so you can trace the electricity from one side of the panel yeah, to the they, other. Especially the Bioshock pipe puzzle. Yep. And then the other one is like connect and disconnect wires to mm -hmm. complete the puzzle. Both of them get very old very quickly. I would just say set the puzzle difficulty to the easiest possible so that it just solves it for you. There's no reward, really, for solving these puzzles. You've done them before in other games. They weren't rewarding there. They're not rewarding here. But still, this is really cool, Matt, mm -hmm. that you can set very specific elements of the game, the difficulty, to whatever you want to. More games should be doing that now. Okay. Silent Hill ahead of its time. Yeah. So we'll let the B-roll roll from there. But for again, for those of you who don't know what System Shock is, it is a first-person shooter, but you don't have to shoot mm -hmm. you can use melee weapons and hand-to-hand -hand combat if you want to um so yeah. at the time it would have, it was called basically an action rpg yeah it, it was an it was an rpg and like, it still kind it's of still, is immersive sim is just a dumb term that people have come up with to differentiate it from standard rpgs i guess well i think immersive um, sim people associate that with being able to play the game how you want to yeah it's just a dumb term because but all, you can do that in this game. Yeah, but well, this is the first one, basically. Yeah. All but all games are trying to be immersive, and all games are simulating something, so it's a, it's a stupid name. Yep. You um, play as a hacker. You get caught hacking into the Trioptimum Corporation, who then em basically employs you. They come and get you, and they take you to the Citadel, which is like their base, basically. And they strap you down, and they force you to hack this AI named Shodan. And they think that they want you to untether Shodan because it will help them, their technology, develop more quickly and basically take the reins off of this AI. What happens instead is that Shodan kills all of them and turns them into these horrific creatures. And you, as a part of the deal for helping hack Shodan, they implant this thing into your body. And you wake up from the surgery, the implant surgery, everyone's dead. And now they're like zombies and the robots have gone rogue and they're attacking you. And basically, your job is to outsmart Shodan and escape the Citadel. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is for whatever reason, it seems like AI in video games, they're always nice. Like GLaDOS in Portal. Like, they're always funny, cracking jokes, ha-ha. Shodan in this is evil. Like, mm. the writing in this for Shodan, I think, is amazing. And it hasn't changed. It was very well written back when it was first launched because... It's, again, the AI is just very evil. And you think that you figured out a way to outsmart the, the AI. And it, it almost breaks the fourth wall at times with some of the things that it says to you. It's like, oh, you thought this, and but I was way ahead of you and I've done this. And it's just like this diabolical computer that is your nemesis throughout the entire, the entire game. Um, as I said, it's a first-person shooter, but and probably... I mean, I did play, end up playing most of this shooting, but you don't have to. Like, you can use melee weapons and that sort of thing. There's also the elemental stuff in this where you can attach things to your weapons. So all of a sudden they have electricity and other elemental stuff. Um, again, things that were groundbreaking then and now have been emulated over and over again in franchises since then. But it's not like a... It's not a Twitch shooter. It's not like a game where you have to be really good with shooting. In fact, Matt, I played a lot of this with my Steam Link. Like, mm. out in the living room with a delay. Because the, it's not... Again, it's not a Twitch shooter. It's not that demanding of your hand-eye coordination or your reaction times. It's more about planning or creeping into a new area, kind of figuring out what enemies there are in there, where the different objects are in the area, and then executing a plan. 
if you go into this just like, I'm just going to run around and try to outshoot stuff, you're probably going to die. Because the other thing I would say about this, the original and in this remake, is the controls are really clunky. Like, moving mm. around, like you were talking earlier about, like, in Assassin's Creed getting caught on barrels and stuff, that happens in this game all the time. Where you're just caught on a piece of geometry, and it wasn't programmed into the game to just allow you to slide around the geometry or whatever. Like, I could never go into this game with just guns blazing and make make progress. I just get killed. Because inevitably some robot would come up from behind you and attack you that you never saw or whatever. It's also a very dark game. Um, they do a great job with lighting in this to make certain parts of the level dark so you can't see what you're getting into. If you're not careful, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble very quickly in this game. But the truth is, you don't get punished that much. So if you do die in this, and you will die, I, I've died a ton, you just end up being sent back to the last medical bay that you visited. So it's very gentle in that way. Like It basically like puts you back in a place where it's very easy to get back into the action. Um, graphically, you're seeing the B-roll right now. It's interesting what they did with this, Matt. Like They could have gone all out and made it look crazy realistic and look like a game that was made in 2023. Instead, they've decided to make it look like kind of a retro game. There's kind of a pixel art aesthetic in this. Mm. Even though they remade it, they're like, we don't want to make it look like it's a modern game. We want people to play this and realize this is a classic. I think that's probably the right decision. Where do you fall on stuff like that? Somewhat. I found this too clunky to keep playing for very long. Um, partly because uh, I like System Shock 1. System Shock 2 is infinitely better in every imaginable way. And to the point that after I played System Shock 2 back in the day, I never played System Shock again. Really? In fact, I think System Shock 1 is extraneous. I, I, I really think, enjoyed it. I think anyone interested in System Shock should just go straight to 2. Matt's because, Metacritic average right now is 9.1. Sure. You're on the island there on that one. Sure. I, I wasn't until this happened, though. Like I enjoyed was, the was, hell out of this, dude. I think that it's was, great. Like I found it's it paced awesome. Like I think it's you're fiddle. constantly getting new stuff. Like every room gives you something new. Like you, I don't know how you could ever settle in or get bored with this game. Like it's always presenting new ways to do things, new options. Like, like for example, I got this pipe, and then eventually I get a gun. Well, the gun is like a pistol. It sucks, and so I actually ended up sticking with the melee weapon for a while until I ended up getting mm -hmm. a better pistol like 20 minutes later or whatever. Um, the map in this game really important and it's really good too um, because the game is so dark and, it, and it's because it's also and one thing I will say is the game does look repetitive now granted you are inside this metal base and games that are set mm -hmm. inside stuff like that tend to look very similar this game doesn't do a whole lot to kind of satiate that to be honest with you so the map is very important it's easy to get lost in this I would say because it's so dark and because so much of it does look very similar, there's a lot of reused textures and stuff like that. But to me, what really makes this game great is, one, that it is sort of an immersive sim and that you can play it however you want and make progress in it. But two, it's just the pacing. Like, there's every door you open, there's something in there that's valuable or worth something that you can either attach to your weapon or it's a new weapon or it gives you new insight on how you can keep playing the game going forward. I just... It just feels like it's genius to me that the way this game is designed. Mm. And you're right. I, two, two is two better. Two is great as well. I, hope my, great. I mean, I hope this this seems to be doing pretty well. So I hope it. I mean, I thought there was already a System Shock 2 be, remake being made. I think there is one. I will say, works. I don't know details on any of that. I will say that this did make me think, like, I would like these guys to do the System yeah. Shock 2 remake. Yeah. But I will say, like, you know, I don't know how many people have played both of them or one of them or whatever. Uh, and yeah, it's like Shodan's a, Shodan is a cool villain, is a good villain in this. Shodan is 
so much better and so much more evil in the second one. Mm-hmm. Like it's just they upped the game on the second one in a way that rarely. I mean, look, I agree with you. Happened. Two is the better game. There's it's no doubt it's about like it. a marathon one, marathon two thing, which is actually mar- I think marathon and marathon two probably owe a few a little bit to these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on the same time. I think I think actually marathon might have been before this one. Yeah, but marathon one is a straight up shooter, and it's not this kind of game. Yep. But, but look, uh, I it's, also it's, agree with you. Cool, movement like, and shooting in this is clunky. There's no doubt there's about it. There's a lot of clunk. I don't like the inventory system. Doesn't is annoying to me. Um, they give you plenty of room to store stuff in, but I didn't find it. There, the game it doesn't give me a lot of interesting choices to make outside of the baseline gameplay. And like, I would be more interested if I didn't have to do all the inventory management and all the health management. All that. Like, it just I was running back to the health bed too often for my taste. Like. You know, because I know how limited all the resources are, and oh, yeah, these puzzles suck. Like, it's like, <laughs> like I said, just turn them off. <laughs> like, um, I don't mind the Bioshock water ones though. For some, yeah. the, probably because this is about as this is like early. This is about as complicated as the Bioshock ones get in the end of the game. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it's good. I it's I again I played System Shock several times when it came out, and then I played two several times. I mean, I I was it was kind of a nice little like, oh yeah, I remember all this. I don't need to do this again. Yeah, like, uh, that's about. It. If you've never played it, you should play it. Well, I didn't need to play the whole game. I played five or six hours of it. I've obviously played the OG back in the day, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I played enough of it to see the changes that they made, the updates that they had made, and to honestly, yeah. to remind myself of a lot of stuff because it had been so long since I had played the original. Yeah, although a lot of it really came back to me like pretty much immediately. I will. So, and they they do evoke it well. Like the, you know, I do think this sort of it's not cutting edge graphics. It's it's a weird balance of high-res updated sort of 4k look and sort of that old 90s shooter corridor design like they didn't make the corridors smaller to like make it look more like a real place it it looks very artificial but that's what it looked like in the original game Mm -hmm. so i think they do strike a good balance of like updating it without removing the character of it yeah um I it's just I just have other things to do at this yeah. point. <laughs> it's like it's cool, but that demo was all I needed of of this game. Um but if you haven't played it, yeah, you should and you like, you know, Arcane's games or BioShock or um or uh, uh Deus Ex, you know, you should maybe take a look at this. This is a there's a direct this is a, Deus Ex is a direct descendant of this game. Oh yeah, absolutely. By the same team. Yeah, yeah. Uh so by the same people. Yeah. You should you should probably just play this for historical significance. Yeah. Now, this is the bulk of the game, the first person and stuff. And to give them some money so that they will make two. Right. Or whoever is making two will finish two. I think two. it's already in, in the works, actually. It is, but I don't remember. I, it was stalled. This one got stalled for a long time, It was. Time too, yeah, I didn't know if this was like, ever going to come out either. Um, so most of it is this first-person gameplay that you've been seeing, but there's also these sections where you almost go into this psychedelic trip and you be, you become this yeah, like the, the, descent the, it becomes a descent yeah, the, style the, the cyber, shooter. the cyber dive thing. Yeah. Is, I, oh, You're my, about to see it. I, <laughs> Here it is. I, I whatever I don't remember being annoyed by this in back in the day. I hate this part. It's annoying. In this. It's it's, not, I, it's just too easy. It's a waste of time. Yeah, it's just dull. It's just it's too easy. It's like my first person first person shooter. And again, it is like descent. And it's like remarkably easier than the rest of the game. It is. Yeah. Like like there's part of me that's like, should I turn the combat difficulty right. yeah, up? But it's like, <laughs> but I think the combat the difficulty way. is about right on out in the world, but not yeah. in cyberspace. So I don't know what is. It does break here. up the tedium of the first person stuff a little bit, but ultimately it's just way too easy. Yeah, you're basically this is ba- you're basically playing Descent here. Yeah, like it's like a yeah, free flying 3D. Yeah, you can fly in any direction. Yeah. 
Um, and then it lasts way too long. Like these sections take like five or ten minutes. They should last yeah, and like. God two help minutes. you if you if you miss one of the pickups and you gotta go back in it, do it again, and, and try to find your way yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So as I said, I do recommend turning down the puzzle difficulty. They're pretty pointless, and there's only two different kinds in the entire game. Um, and the other thing I would say too is that this is a big game. Um, like I played five or six hours of it of the remake. The actual it goes like twenty plus hours, mm-hmm. and that is maybe a little long for a game of this type. Yeah, it wasn't then. Like then, it was. It felt like a really good value. Yeah, but now so things have moved and changed. Your expectations are a little different than they were twenty some years ago, almost thirty years ago, and it it that is a little long, I think, to play this. But you know, I think it's. I have it in my notes here. It is forty dollars. And if you're going to ask 40 bucks for it, it better be about 20 hours long. So I guess I kind of understand where the pricing is there for that amount of time. I would not spend $40 for this, though, Matt. Mm-hmm. I'd be comfortable 25 bucks probably for this. Yeah, and it probably will be soon enough. But we'll, I don't know. I guess it depends because, again, the reviews are like sky high. It's getting like nines and higher. That may convince them to hold off on dropping the price. But I tend to agree with you. I think sales will eventually motivate them to drop the price. And I would feel more comfortable spending 25 on this than 40 bucks, um, just to be honest with you. But I had a great time with it. It was a nice trip down nostalgia lane for me um, because I was a different person when I played this the first time. I'm an entirely different person with a different life now. Um, and it was kind of interesting when this stuff started coming back to me. I started remembering certain parts of it. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and again, it was it's not like a Twitch shooter. I was able to play this on Steam Link. Linking from mm-hmm. my PC out to my living room to play it on my TV in my living yeah, room. This section is more a Twitch shooter, but it doesn't really matter because it's super easy to. Yeah, it's still easy everything. as long as you strafe. Like no one will ever hit you. I don't think I ever even got hit in any of these sections, honestly. Like maybe like once or twice. So uh, anyway, it's System Shock remake. It is available for PC, play, both PlayStation Four and Five, and both Xbox One and Xbox Series consoles. Still no Switch version, which is weird because. Obviously, this can run on Switch, no problem. So mm. my guess is eventually it will come to Switch uh, before too long. Um, but yeah, I think $40 is a little too steep for me. Um, I mean, I think $40 probably does reflect the amount of work they put into probably. it. Probably. Especially with the delays. But like, yeah. That's a tough ask, I think, <laughs> for a game this old. Because it doesn't... I, I do feel like if they had actually brought the visuals and the presentation up to present day, it might be able to fetch a little bit more. But I don't, also don't disagree with the direction that they went, like, you know, with a nod to the old game while bringing certain elements of it up to scratch. Mm-hmm. But there's some things that just look goofy, like when like doors open and close, like the dust on the doors just looks terrible. Like, I don't know how much of this was just the skill level of the studio and just using that as a convenient excuse. I don't know. But there are definitely certain parts of it that look really dated. Um, but overall, I had a blast playing it. And I was kind of disappointed that I had to move on to other things. But this is also, I played it a while ago. It's been sitting in my hip pocket all the way through pretty much, not E3. been waiting to talk about it and find some space here on Game Face. And we just did in episode 347. So you're waiting for System Shock 2 remake, Matt? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. How much? How long was the demo that you played of this? Oh, I didn't finish it. I don't know. It was like you a, played it for... I played like almost hour and a half oh, okay something. you played a good bit of it then it went, it went enough to get while. back into the groove and remember yeah. everything about it okay yeah, remember i didn't want to buy it yeah but two i would yeah. two, two is great just for showdown the bus the, the main issue in terms of especially in comparison in that regard is showdown is just not much of a presence 
in one. Yeah. Like Shodan's in the near the beginning and pops up as you learn some things and then at the end. But like Shodan is a constant threat and needling presence through all of two. It's That's a, true. It's yeah. a it's a much better presentation of the pretty much the same subject matter in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone will argue that System Shock 2 isn't the better game. I mean, most people think System Shock 2 is one of the greatest games of all time. So mm-hmm. it's definitely up there. Although the reviews for this are sky high as well, so people are really enjoying it. But there you go. System Shock Remake. Was that 10 minutes? I think it was. <laughs> Close. Rough, roughly. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, next up. So I mentioned earlier that um, there's been some demos coming out for not E3. And I think the biggest one other than... Final Fantasy 16 is a game called Lies of P. And Matt, I'm just going to say right now that I hate this game. <laughs> it's <laughs> it is a Dark Souls-ish clone set in the Poconokio Mythos universe. Mm-hmm. Um and it is every bit of a Dark Souls clone. It's very much the same. It's Bloodborne. It's yeah, Bloodborne's Bloodborne. a better better analog. But it's very much the same. Like, you'll fight a bunch of enemies that you can kill no problem, and then you'll fight, like, a sub-boss that just mops the floor with you, and then you'll die, and it'll leave a little orb there that you need to come back and pick up, and along the way, you unlocked a couple shortcuts to help you get back to the boss easier so you don't have to go through the same gauntlet all over again. Um, here you're seeing, what are these, the classes, I guess? The, yeah, the starting class. You can be whatever you want. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's really just like Dark Souls. You, it just dep- determines what your starting stats are, whatever you prefer. Yeah. Which one did you pick? Balanced. I did too. Yeah. One thing I found with Balance is his sword is really short. And like, mm-hmm. I always was like hacking before I got to the enemy. I always thought, felt like the sword was longer than it actually was. And it, the whole time I played this demo, that kept happening to me. Mm-hmm. I'd like think I was going to be able to strike and I'd just miss. Hmm. I didn't have it to me. But I do hate this game. Oh, you don't like it? I do not like it at really? all. Really? I'm shocked to hear that, man. It is. Well, a lot of it is a fairly competent Bloodborne clone, but it's the little things, and there's way too much weapon durability. Uh, 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 I don't know what the word is. You I'm mean the right. weapons break too easily? No, the durability. They don't break, but like the durability goes down. you got to use your grinder thing on your arm to right. sharpen them again. Why? Yeah. Especially because they get, yeah, they, they get replenished on um when you stop at bonfires and so basically the only time you really need to do that is when you're exploring a new area which is fine you can do it when you're moving it's cool but during boss battles too mm-hmm. and so you're looking and like the the durability goes way down when you block you still take health damage when you block um yeah not a and, ton but some well against bosses is a ton yeah like, the bosses can the, that first major boss can kill you in like five hits if you block everything i mean it can't kill you yeah because you, i don't think you can die from block damage but it can drop your life down almost nothing yeah um but on top of that the dodging isn't big and the dodge radius isn't fast enough and the iframes aren't robust enough to basically get you around things the way you would in a dark souls game and look the, the time anytime you see a dark souls clone from a non from software company um, you can sort of determine how good it is when you fight those bosses because that's where the systems either shine or fall apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they fall apart in this. Um, in large part because this game has boss attack auto tracking that would make Dark Souls 2 launch edition blush. Like, as it starts, the boss starts its attack, and if you dodge out of the way before it's basically on its way down, it will rotate its body 90 degrees to automatically hit you after your dodge is done. I felt and that ball, that first boss, I could never, I never beat it. I felt it was so cheap. 
This is the, which boss are we talking about? It's here? probably not even the boss. It's just right. like the first mini boss, basically. Like the, the dude the, in the cape or whatever. The like the bigger, slightly taller red guy in the cape and the yeah. The, you know, so he's not a boss at all. Right. Yeah. I could never beat so, him. I could never a few beat of those him. Guys. I'm talking about the the ringmaster. Uh, I never got who's there. Who's a gigantic monster? I never got there. Like he, yeah, he's he's later on. I couldn't beat the dude. That dude. I it, mm. I felt like first of all, one thing I felt, and again, I'm not a, the expert on these games. That's why Matt's here. Um, it felt like there was no advantage or reward for timing your blocks exactly or for dodging exactly like it it never felt like it opened him up like i would dodge and like by the time i got in he was already attacking me again i'd be like oh shit i try to block and the block just wouldn't work well the dodging is mostly to get you out of the way it's it's not it's a terrible dodge it's one of the worst dodges i've seen in a game like this um the, the the main defensive and this is why I say it's Bloodborne as the comparison because his his uh, Legion arm the left you know the left arm the mm-hmm. arch the L two button yep. that's supposed to be the counter for someone attacking you relentlessly because oh. it can interrupt almost anything but oh. it's, it's limited I should have used it's limited it use like gotcha. there's, a bar, there's a bar down there you can use it like I think four times when you start and then like if you up certain stats that you get more Legion power basically. Um, but yeah, you do that, and also like there's if you hit them enough, there uh, or also sometimes if they just exert themselves, you'll see white appear around the life bar, and if you do a charged R two attack, you will stagger them, and then you can do a finishing move on them. Does the game teach you that? It does teach you that. I don't know how it's, I missed it that. It starts teaching you that after you get that first guy in the cape down to a, a white bar around his life the first time, but it pops up during your fight with him as he gets stunned and. By the so you're time just you jump in. By the time you finished <laughs> reading it, he's not stunned anymore. Yeah. So now you got to fight him again, and it's just like I felt like that happened in that fight in general. Like I, I either blocked it perfectly, timed it, or I dodged perfectly on time, and then I jump into yeah. attack, and it was already he was attacking me. Yeah, you can't. It's not that is not. There's no. There's the give and take on this doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's, it's a different rhythm, and it, you have to learn how the, how the arm works, which I didn't really care about. Um, I hardly used it at all. That was my mistake. You, there's obviously. not a lot of interrupting. Like you can interrupt normal enemies a lot. Um, you, you're, you're pretty powerful in terms of fighting normal guys. But yeah, the rank and file enemies are no problem. As soon as you like, end up against even slight, like kind of mini boss quality characters, and the boss is even. I mean, the, the big boss, the ringmaster guy, is like. I can't even imagine. It's he, like he literally, <laughs> they literally wrote. I saw him rotate over ninety degrees in the middle of an attack animation to make sure to he land. hit me, and I was like, "Fuck you!" Like, yeah. And like, look, I I could probably grind and get powerful enough to beat him with a strong, you know, with a weapon damage, you know, put put attack up high enough that I could damage him enough that it wouldn't matter how many times he hit me because I could do enough damage to kill him before he could kill me. Yeah. But this this does not carry over to the final game, assuming I even want to play the final game. Yeah. So I just decided I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to play this anymore. <laughs> and I played started up Final Fantasy 16 instead and had a much better time. Oh, I have. I so, gave, there's no comparison between the two games. So that this is, was, it was playing this game was like torture for me. That is my Lies of P demo recommendation is play Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> Um, this this is just a very, I find this to be a I mean gorgeous visually like oh, I, would, I was pleasantly I would, surprised by the production value yeah for I would sure. buy the art book in a heartbeat yeah uh, but I don't want to play this anymore it's so weird that it's Pinocchio like the the loading bar is his nose yeah. growing like it's, it's very it says now lying <laughs> it's so, it's, I don't understand why it's the yeah, and like the your your little little light lantern he has, has is like an AI that talks to you yeah and it's Gemini yeah it's spelled like Gemini but it's pronounced Gemini because it's Gemini Cric- Gemini Cricket yeah who I loved as a kid he was like my favorite character from so Disney. he's like your conscience and then you're trying to find the blue fairy and it's like, like it has all that stuff but otherwise like it's just bizarre that it's they chose weird. Pinocchio for this. Like, 
it would be hard for most people to tell just watching this gameplay that this is a Pinocchio game, but yeah, I, it was funny. It seemed like this game was getting all t- kinds of hype across the interwebs like over the well, last it, week. It does look really cool, and again, you don't know these things until you get your hands on it. Yeah. But like, yeah, someone who's played a ton, this is the guy you're talking about? This is the guy yeah. I can never beat, yep. There's another one like him later on, and then there's a, a big boss at the end. I could, um, I got him whittled down to like a couple pixels a couple times, and I just gave up. I'm like, I don't even care if I beat him. Like, I just didn't care. I was like, the, other, the one thing I will say that I kind of like in this is, um, like, you'll see right there, he t- two hits and your life's gone. Yeah, you get it back if you attack, like, like Bloodborne. If, if you, there's, there's like a sliver of it that you can get it back if you immediately you attack afterwards. Attack. Yeah. But as you say, the enemies are so aggressive that doing that mostly just gets you hit again. Yeah, I also found too that if I started taking like the shortcuts that I had opened up having played it already to get back to that guy more you easily. You just tend to get swarmed. They follow you. Yeah. You have to fight them anyway. Like, the shortcuts didn't matter. Like, they followed me all the way into the room. So now I'm fighting the boss with, like, three of those other animatronic dudes, like, trying to kill. I was just like, F this game. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not going to play the this game. The one thing that, that, that it does that I think is interesting that very few of these games do is even if you're out of what would be the equivalent of Estus flasks, uh, you can build up, uh, you can fill up an Estus flask and get another one if you hit the enemy enough. Oh. Which is, it takes no, a I long did, time. Actually, I did notice that. Yeah. It takes a while, but like you can do that. So you are not completely helpless. Yeah, that's kind that of a happens, cool mechanic. Which is, which is a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I did notice that. But otherwise, I have no interest in playing the final version of this. I do agree the pre- production values in this way better than I thought they were going to be. Like way better. Um, I had seen trailers and stuff like that, but you know, with trailers, they can jimmy stuff, set camera angles at certain places and stuff like that to make it look better than it, than it really does. But this game looks sharp, man. Um, yeah. but I have no interest in playing. No, it. I, as someone who has played most of the Dark Souls clones around, uh, nuh uh. Yeah. Mm like, This game's coming to pretty much work. everything. Um, and it's not that far away either. I yeah. should have written And down it falls into the same, so the same trap of like, you could play this, or you could just play Bloodborne again, yeah. which is a much better game. Or you could play Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> right. But like, the problem is, like, if you're trying to do these Dark Souls alike, these From clones, you got to do something that makes it worthwhile playing rather than just playing one of the From games again. And I don't, from what this demo does, this game does not do that. And neither did a lot, you know, like Steel Rising, similar thing. Really cool aesthetic, kind of clunky. Uh, Steel Rising was easier. Um, I got further in it, but after a while, I'm just like, well, I feel like I've seen what you have to offer me, and I think I'd just rather go play Elden Ring. Yep. So, yeah, uh, that is kind of the problem with trying to, uh, you know, emulate the best is you got to You the bar is high, and I don't think this one makes it for me. Yep. Definitely not for me. <laughs> I played that demo. I don't know for like an hour or something like that. I'm like, I'm good. I get it. I'm good. Not for me. And that's why I'm glad I have Matt alongside me to play stuff like that that I'm not all that interested in. So also you- comes out in September, and I have, I have other plans. In yeah, I think it's going to be a tough road to toe for this game. Mm-hmm. Come Q4. Would you like to explore a new solar system? Or would you <laughs> or, like to do that? <laughs> no. I'll take the solar system. So anyway, there you go. That's Lies of P. It's coming in September. It's coming to everything but Switch, basically. It's even coming to the old platforms, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, but, you know, if people... there hasn't, Here's the thing, Matt. Souls likes used to be a thing. Like there was like one coming every like two or three months. It's kind of fallen off. Yeah, we still got a few. But this, this one, is the first one long in thing. a while. Well, so, long. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, long. No, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'd play this probably before well long. Yeah, I'm more probably. interested in the subject matter somehow. I don't know why. <laughs> if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick this one. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's it's it's. it's 
Neither is ideal. No. <laughs> For me, anyway. Uh, but there you go, anyway. That's Lies of P, a Souls-like set in the Pinocchio universe. Still makes no sense to me. I mean, it's closer to the b- original book than the uh, Disney movie is. Yeah, so. that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, it's Start- Actually, the tone of it is way more like yeah. the book. It starts with a whole thing about, like... A, a, a tribute to the great writer, uh, what's his name, Kaladi, or Co- the guy who wrote it. And mm-hmm. I was like, was he a great writer? And it turns out he was mostly a censorer. Like, he was mostly like, oh, he worked to like censor things. He was actually like a weirdo Puritan guy, hmm. who, which I guess explains why his book is about misbehaving children being turned into monsters. And yeah. she, I, I, okay, like there's a weird purity test thing happening <laughs> there. He goes, whoa, Long Johnson. <laughs> Mm. Once every six months, I watch the Olong Johnson video on YouTube because it literally, no matter how many times I watch it, it makes me laugh my ass off. You know what I'm talking about, right? The cat. No. The talking cat? No. Oh my God. You've never watched the Olong Johnson? No. The talking cat? Talking oh. cat? No. Yeah, it's a talking cat. And he just, the cat goes, Olong Johnson. I do not know that. <laughs> It makes me laugh just imitating it. <laughs> oh yeah, my he, wor- God. he worked for newspapers censoring them for the state. Not <laughs> oh, really? a good dude. I also noticed it like no, people are, <laughs> oh, Long Johnson. People are, um, <laughs> now I'm going to laugh the whole rest of the show. I don't see anybody defending Lies of P. Like I thought there'd be people in the chat being like, you guys are crazy. I played the demo and I loved it. Uh, but no, they're not really getting that. So um, I, the demo is still there, by the way. You can go check it out if you want. I to. think it's hard for someone who doesn't know these games well to get into this thing because it's so non-explanatory. And I think if you know these games, you know that it's actually not doing these things very well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't. I think this is a miss. Oh, man, it risks me up. Okay, let's move on. I hope you guys are ready for horror games in June, because the next two games are horror games in June. It is an odd time for them to be releasing these games, man. I'm not 100% sure why. Uh, The first one we're going to talk about is a game called Amnesia the Bunker. Matt, what's your experience with the Amnesia franchise, generally? Boring. Yeah. Walking simulator. A lot of what? A lot of pigs. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of them. Um, Well, I'll say this. Amnesia the Bunker is definitely the most different and unique of all the Amnesia games. It is also the most active. Um, Amnesia games are almost like walking simulators. Mm -hmm. Definitely more towards like an adventure game than an action game. And this is more like an action adventure. Um, You is set in World War One. Um, I believe in 1916, if I remember correctly. Let me get to my notes here. Yeah, it's set in 1916. You play as Henry Clement. He is a French soldier. Um, Clement. And the game starts, you are in the trenches. Henri Clement. Let's right. get it right. <laughs> That's probably how I should say it. Henri Clement. Uh, and you are in the trenches trying to save your allies who have been overcome by the enemy. You become over, well, overcome by the enemy, and you wake up inside the bunker in the, the medical area or whatever. Um, from there, the story is basically told almost entirely from notes that you come across. Mm. That's novel. And in fact, the next game that we're going to talk about, the story is pretty much told through that as well. So is that like the, is that the thing in all the amnesia games? You're playing somebody who doesn't remember anything? Um, kind of. Yeah. Like, it's not that he doesn't remember anything in this though. Oh, this is like amnesia case, whatever. Yeah. Like, 
like you remember that you're a soldier and you're right. in World War One. You don't I. remember how you got there. You don't remember how you got there. You don't know where everybody is. So it's, kind of, it's kind of a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> a little bit. Because <laughs> you always forget. Nobody like, knows that. <laughs> yep. Um, so you wake up in the bunker, you start reading notes to try to figure out what the hell happened. Like, why are you the only one left alive inside the bunker? Where is everybody else? What's going on? Um, the controls in this game are extensively made to, like, grab stuff and move it. And when I first started playing it, it felt like a monumental task to open a frickin' door. Like, just figuring out, like, the mechanics of how do you grab the door handle? How do you pull the door to make it open? Like, very simple things like that. Moving things in this game, very complicated, way more complicated than they should be. Um, I would also argue that the opening of the game doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, it's like, okay, we're, you meet this guy, but he doesn't tell you anything other than, oh, there's a monster now. But you've been in this bunker and in these trenches fighting for like weeks and no one's brought up the fact that there's a monster like in the bunker like the i don't know to me the the opening of the game didn't make much sense but ultimately what happens is is that you're alone in this bunker everyone else is dead and there's a monster down there and there's these little holes like in the walls down along the floor where you can hear the monster the sound design in this game amazing I talk a lot about like location-based sound in games, and I have a, a really good surround sound setup, and it's something that I really look for, and when games don't do it well, I, I call it out. This game does it amazingly, and it needs to, because that's the whole concept of the game. The whole concept of this is you're playing hide-and-seek with this monster, and eventually you find basically a, the safe room in the game, although there were times where it was not a safe room, but the game tells you it's a safe room, and in the safe room there is a generator. And a big objective of the game is that you need to turn the generator on, accomplish a bunch of stuff before the gas runs out, and then make it back into that room before everything goes dark. Because if you get trapped out in the dark, you're kind of screwed because the only way you can make light, see that little thing in the left hand? It's gone right now, actually. But you have this little device in your left hand. I've never seen these things in real life, but I'm, I'm assuming they exist. There are these lights that you wind up. Like you grab the cord and like you pull it like over and over again and it like powers up the, you can see it now, the little light in your hand. The problem is, is that when you're doing that, it's really loud and the monster is attracted to noise. And the other thing too about the monster is like you can shoot it with your guns, but you get like no bullets, first of all. Like you get this first handgun, they give you two bullets for the handgun. So they show you right away like don't use the handgun. The guns are not what you're supposed to be doing in this game. It does do a good job of teaching you what you should or should not be doing. Um... But anyway, if you shoot the monster with the guns, it doesn't really do anything. You can kill it, quote unquote, but it gets back up and comes at you anyway. So the objective of the game is to fill up, as you're seeing right now, fill up the generator with gas. Eventually you get a stopwatch too that you can use to time when the gas is gonna run out. So you know, I have a minute left to get back into the safe room. Otherwise, I'm gonna be stuck out here in this dark bunker with only this light that makes a crap ton of noise. And if you use the light too much, then that attracts the monster and the monster gets you. The monster can get you anywhere, by the way. Like, and that's why the sound design is really important. If you're next to one of the small holes in the wall, and even if you're not making any noise, the monster will snatch your ass out of that hole and drag you into the hole. So you, the sound design in this tells you where the monster is, like in relation to you. Like not just in the volume, it tells you how close it is. And then directionally, you can hear it. Like if it's hiding behind one of those holes, you can tell by the directional audio from the sound design. So sound design in this is important and it's really good. Um, 
Really what's important in this game is a map, but the map is like on the wall in the safe room, but you can't take it with you, which is really annoying. Like at the very least, you should be able to scratch it onto a piece of paper or something. Like they should have found some way to be able to use the map when you're out of the safe room. Obviously it would take some of the tension out of the game, whatever. It just, it seems silly that you can't. Um, so again, like it's kind of like Resident Evil Nemesis, but it's the entire game. You're just constantly stalked. And the objective is to get out of the bunker. Um, and I normally don't talk about stuff like this because it's kind of spoilery for some people. But finishing this game is one of the most unrewarding things that I've ever <laughs> done. <laughs> because I will say this. The game is nerve-wracking. You're constantly, it's this hide-and-seek, this like... You're testing yourself. How far away can I get from the safe room and safely make it back to the safe room? And then I'll be honest with you, there was one time, like, I got back to the safe room and the monster was in the safe room. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? So I just had to let the monster just kill me and die. So the game's a little buggy. Um, at times, I had some issues here and there. But again, like, as you're seeing here, like, a lot of the game is, like, moving stuff around, removing obstacles. And, like, the, the hand prompts won't always come up. And that sucks because you're like, oh, here's this thing. I think I may need to fiddle around with it to make progress. Oh, nope, I don't. The hand icon isn't coming up to interact with it. So no, I don't need to interact with that. So you go on and you test out everything else and then none of it works and you come back to that thing and then the hand prompt shows up and you're like, you am effort. And there's lots of moments where, like, you need to go to new areas of the bunker, but there's a grate there. Well, then you need to find a very specific wrench that you can use in to then open the grate, which gives you new access to new areas of the bunker, or will create shortcuts so you can get to the farther points of the bunker without having to go through a bunch of different hallways like you did before. Again, the tension part of this game, um, it was pretty, actually pretty scary. I, there was a couple moments in this game where I got pretty scared, and that doesn't happen very often, in all honesty. And the game, there's a game we're going to talk about next it never happened. So that was a pretty big accomplishment to me. But it also was like, I felt it's a triggering game. Like it will stress you the F out. Um, if you're one of those people that can't handle like time management or you don't like having this constant threat of like, oh, hanging over your head, this is the last game that you ever want to play because that's the whole game. And the other thing too is the bunker isn't that big. I was talking earlier about how it would be nice to have a map. Like the map would be handy when you're exploring new areas. But eventually, you kind of learn the whole bunker because you go out on these expeditions over and over again, and with limited time, it's incumbent that you learn the bunker. Otherwise, you have no chance of making progress in this game. So I did have fun with it. Um, it was legitimately scary in a couple points. I don't think it's for everyone. I think a lot of people who are maybe either impatient or don't like being stressed out will probably hate this game. Um, the, when I first started playing it, I didn't think that I was going to stick with it all that long. Um, but it picks up and the pacing of it starts to, as you start to figure out what you need to do and how you need to do it, the game becomes better. Um, I think that's probably true of most games, but for this one in particular, like when I first got to the generator, I had no idea that like, okay, you fill it up and then this is, I didn't even know it was a safe room. I'm like, this is just a room with a generator in it, you know? And I was like, oh, if I turn this on, maybe the lights will stay on inside the bunker or whatever. And then the game teaches you, no, no, no. You need to go get another gas can because now you don't have gas to fill up this generator. Without the generator and the lights that it makes, you're pretty much crap out of luck. So it does do a pretty good job of teaching the player what it's expecting from the player, but it does, there is a hump to get over in this game for sure. And for a lot of people, 
getting over the hump of something while you're being hunted by a huge monster may not be something that they're all that into or excited about. Um, this game is available for PC, both Xboxes, both Playstations. Um, it is $25, and I would say that's about perfect. The game is only about... I think it probably took me six or seven hours to complete it, something like that. And that was about all I wanted, man. I'll be honest with you. When I finally got outside in this game, it was a relief. And I think maybe that's what they're going for with games like this, is they want you to, you're seeking the relief from the tension or something like that. I don't know. Um, but, and the other thing I would say too, as I mentioned earlier, the ending, the payoff for it wasn't exactly what I had hoped for. The ending wasn't like this awesome moment that i thought it was going to be and maybe that was their intent was to disappoint you ultimately i don't know um vincent brings up it's also on game pass and that's absolutely correct so you can give this a try for free if you want to and i think that's good um, because i think people aren't going to know if this game is for them i could tell you all day what it is and what it's like i really don't think you're going to know whether it's for you until you play it whether you're okay with the constant stalking and whether you're okay with rushing back to the safe room over and over and all that that entails um like, I can't really, other than the Resident Evil games with Nemesis in them, it's really hard to find any sort of an analog. And I know Alien a lot. Isolation. Yeah, oh, you're right. You're right. That actually is probably the better comparison, actually, now that you bring it up. That is probably what I would compare this game to the most, more than any other thing. Um, so, again, that's Amnesia the Bunker. It's 25 bucks. I think that pricing is just about right. Maybe 20 bucks makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but, again, it is a horror game that made me legitimately scared. A couple times which is very hard to do like resident evil 4 maybe a couple times i got a little unnerved the game i'm about to talk about next never really happened so um i think that amounts to something i also like the direction that amnesia is going here i think this is the right direction to take the franchise incorporate a little bit more active gameplay into it a little more tension instead of just kind of making it another uh hor first person horror adventure walk slash walking simulator or whatever but there you can see there's the entirety of the bunker, which is probably not realistic. There, I don't think there are too many bunkers that are that big in Pretty wartime. Pretty extensive, even, even for World War One. Yeah, um, but if it was any smaller, the game would be ridiculous. You'd just be running around the same like four hallways the entire time, so I understand why they did it that way. But anyway, that's Amnesia the Bunker. Again, it's available for everything but Switch. It's 25 bucks, and you can play it on Game Pass, which is where I recommend you give it a go. Next up, more horror. Layers of Fear 2023, we're going to discuss next. Have you played the originals, Matt? I played the first one. Back in 2016 it came yeah. out? What'd you, th what'd you think of it? It's all right. Like, uh, yeah, it wasn't scary at all, but I like the concept, like the, the gimmick of the painting kind of, yeah, it's a cool idea. Yep. I didn't finish it. You didn't finish it? No, but I, I thought it was a, ni a, a nice idea. Yep. So the original comes from 2016. It really is like a walking simulator, like mm -hmm. first-person horror adventure. There's really no action in it at all. In fact, like, you could toggle the run on and off, and it's almost impossible to tell the difference between the walking yeah. and the running. I don't know why they do it that way. That was way. part of why I didn't finish it was it just... It's annoying. I didn't care about getting anywhere anymore. It was just like, you're yeah. walking too slow. Like, it, it, not everybody can be what, what remains of Edith Finch. Yeah. Well, this, they initially called it layers, uh, layers of Fears or whatever, and they changed it right back to Layers of Fear. Um, it is a remake of the first two games compiled into one product. So it's Layers of Fear 1, Layers of Fear 2. And to Matt's point, the first Layers of Fear, you play as a painter who is trapped in this lighthouse trying to finish his masterpiece. And he's going insane, and the lighthouse is haunted, and blah, blah, blah. 
Layers of Fear 2, you play as an actor on a cruise ship. And it's pretty much the same premise, just a different setting, different lead character. Now this game, going back to what we were saying about Assassin's Creed earlier with the Animus, you play as a female writer. And she is in the lighthouse where the first game took place and she shows up and all the stuff is still there from the game, except she's there to write her novel or whatever. And it, the ty her typewriter becomes like the animus. So she sits down to write, you go into the world of the painter. Suddenly you start playing as the painter inside the lighthouse trying to finish his masterpiece. Um, and then eventually after you finish his story and then, then the same thing happens for the cruise ship or whatever, she becomes like the conduit to go and play through these stories for, through the eyes of these other characters. And basically, these games, you just wander around looking for clues. One of the things that they've, they've added a couple things for these. And the biggest change is the addition of, of, so in the first layers of fear, it's a lantern that you have and it has a cooldown. The second layers of fear, it's a flashlight. And what it does is there are nemesis-like moments now in the game where ghosts come after you. And actually they were in the originals as well. And all you had to, you could only escape from those. Now you have the lights. You can actually attack the ghosts with the lights. And it takes time. Like you start shining the light on them. It basically just makes them dissolve. And then they reform and come back after you. But it gives you respite. You didn't have that before in the original versions of these games. Like mm. you just had to run from the ghosts at all times. So that's, I think that's. Run. <laughs> or quote unquote run. So I think power walk. Yeah. So I think that is a quality of life improvement that they've given to this. I don't know that the writer's overarching animus stuff adds that much to it. Like she go out in the hallway and like her her son, she calls her son, she starts freaking out. The son's like, "Oh, you're freaking out over nothing. You're in the spooky thing and like of course you're freaked out. You should be freaked out. It's supposed mm -hmm. to inspire your book writing." But it's, it's weird it's it's a little weird that like, you know, instead of just doing like a collection of the two, they decided to make a new framing device for yeah. them. Because they weren't related before at all. Well, they? they're artists. Like right. that's the thing. Like that's the, the gimmick is that there's paintings involved. That's well, the no, the other is the actor is on the cruise ship. It's an no. actor. So there's no layers because the, the layer, <laughs> the original layer thing was layers of paint. Right. In the first one, yeah. Like because I never you, played the so second one. Basically, as you accomplish big objectives in Layers of Fear One, you come back to the painting, and after you've accomplished a big objective, you pull out the brush and you paint on the painting, and it transforms it. And there's like six different layers that ultimately mm -hmm. you have to paint before you all, you finish the game or whatever. Um, so, I mean, it's still there, but you're playing vicariously now. And like the story of the writer isn't all that compelling. Like eventually, like she gives in to the demon because the demon is like, look, there's been a painter who came here, a dancer who came here, an actor who came here, and all of them were basically on their last chance in their profession and they professed their whatever to me and I made them famous again. I helped them create their masterpiece. And eventually the writer gives in to the demon and says, okay, help me write this. Um, and so that's probably the most compelling thing that actually happens in that overarching story. Otherwise, like, it's this little area that she can wander around. And once you do like the stupid little things in that area, you go back to the typewriter, hit the trigger, and then off we go back into the life of the painter. So it's a pretty big package between each one is like around six hours long. So between the two games, you get around 13, 14 hours of gameplay. I had played both of these already. 
So I played through the whole first game again, and then I played through, I don't know, like an hour of the second one again, just to see how the flashlight worked to get an idea of it. Um, so I didn't have to play through the whole the second game the whole second time. But based upon how long I know the second game is, and I know that they haven't changed the length of these games that much, it's around 13 hours that you get throughout the entire package. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like it's a dual world, dual, re- dual reality thing. The writer and then this fantasy world that she gets transported into when she sits down at her typewriter to start writing. Um, you know, it's kind of an overused trope, I think, in video games or whatever. Um, but the puzzles are very light. The game is very linear. Matt, you know this, having played the original. Like, what happens, and you literally run in circles in this game. Because there's really no way to get lost or not know what to do. Because once you walk through a door, it will lock the door behind you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you walk through a door, and you turn around, and the door's gone. And there's this whole other environment there. And that's really the crux of the game. And there are literally sections where... You, it will make you walk in circles until you figure out like what's changed on each mm-hmm. lap. Like, which is like apparently the pinnacle of genius when uh, uh, what's his name that stupid PT does it. Oh right, this but, game is very nobody, much like nobody PT. cared that this game came out. This is so. very much like PT actually. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, which came out first? PT came out first, I guess. Probably PT. I yeah, think. but that's what the whole game is. Is like. You, it's again. You can't get lost, or you can't know what to do. It won't let you go back a lot of the times. And like when you do die, you don't actually die. You just faint. And every time you wake up from fainting, you're in the same room, and there's a door directly ahead of you. You walk through that door, and boom, you're right in the room that you died in. Or there's two rooms. There's a little hallway, and then you go right into the room where you died in. So if you do die, which you don't die, you just faint. And when you wake up, it puts you right back where you were. So. There's really no friction keeping you from going through the game. The friction is that it's boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is nothing scary about this game at all. So it, it really is like PT. It is a little bit. It uses every horror trope in the book. The empty wheelchair rolling across. <laughs> the candles that light or turn off on oh, their own. No. Like The shadow that you can see, but there's nothing casting the shadow. It does every corny horror trick. And ultimately, it's a horror game that isn't scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's most of them to me, but there's there's certainly degrees. And uh, yeah, I didn't. I don't remember. I don't remember Layers of Fear as anything other than slightly amusing and uh, tedious. Yeah. It's just boring. Mm. This is also a game where the movement is kind of clunky. As I said, the running is really slow. Like, you get caught on stuff. Because there are segments where you have to, quote, mm. unquote, run away from ghosts. And, like, your leg will get caught on, like, a chair leg or some crap. And, like, this game was rebuilt in Unreal Engine 5, believe it or not. This wow. Is a, yeah, this is an Unreal Engine 5 game. And it does look pretty at times, but it doesn't look like an Unreal Engine 5 game to me most of the time. There's some pretty awesome lighting in it, but you're never outside in this. So I've talked in the past, Matt, about my dream game of where... It's a game that's set entirely inside where they can just use the whole game engine to just build these crazy, intricate, ultra-realistic indoor areas. Like, this game could have been that, but it's not quite there. Like, it's just not... It just doesn't look that good, unfortunately. It's not a bad-looking game by any stretch. And there's moments in this where you're like, oh, wow. Like, the I can see the dust floating in the light or whatever at certain points. Um, and I will say this too, Matt. It is one of those games where I feel like it, it gets better looking as you go. Like, I feel like the the in early stages of the game, the environments are really drab. 
And then as you play more, the lighting starts taking over. And suddenly there's lighting coming up from the floorboards or there's light coming in the windows or whatever. Uh, the puzzle solving in this is very simple. Like as complicated as it gets is like, go find the gear and I'll put the gear on this. Like hmm. there's no like overarching puzzles that you're trying to solve. Like as far as solving the, the house or the actual layout or the geometry of the building, like none of that stuff really happens. Um, it's just like you need an object. It's very obvious what the object is that you need. Here, oh, here we go two rooms over. Here's the object. Go back the other two rooms and use it where it, it's very simple. And so the puzzles aren't very challenging. The scares just aren't there. They're very rote. I will say this though, it doesn't fall back on jump scares that much. Like there's not a lot of monster closets or whatever where the ghost just appears and goes boo or anything like that. I think they're trying to make the game feel unnerving, but it's just not. Like I literally was never scared playing this game mm -hmm. ever maybe part of it too is that i played it six years ago or seven years ago or whatever that might have something to do with it but i honestly didn't remember a whole lot about it i remember the basic premise of it but yeah, why would you but like the moment to moment stuff like no like i didn't remember any of the puzzles that were in it or any of that type of stuff um and i do feel like the lantern does add some quality of life stuff and i, I will say this is superior this is the better version of the first two amnesia games to play so if you haven't played them and you're interested in, interested in playing them i think this is undoubtedly the version that you should pick up um but there's also weird stuff matt there is a so there's grammatical errors in a lot of the writing in this but the crazy part matt was that the grammatical errors were in the voice acting hmm. like the voice actor read the script as it was either that or they used like ai to voice it? It doesn't seem likely, but... But why would a voice actor just read something so blatantly incorrect? Sometimes you're just doing a job, man. Like I mean... Just read what's on the page. That'll, that'll, some voice directors tell you that. That's crazy. I mean, they're just blatantly obvious. Like, mm -hmm. anybody who speaks English as a first language would be like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, and they're in the game. Exactly as they're written in the script, they are read in the yeah. VO booth. I've seen them. I've seen those that kind of thing before. It happens. That's the first time yeah. I've ever seen it. Honestly. I can't remember where, but it, every once in a while you run into that. And you're like, hmm. <laughs> you're just like, what the hell? Like, someone what really wanted us to read what was on the page and not to improve it. So. Yeah. Um, and sometimes if it's a union job, you're not going to do that anyway because you, that's you're not getting paid for that. You're right. Getting paid to read the fucking text. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. My, it's really it's just a walking simulator with a very low level of horror. And it's also, I would say, too, even though it's only six hours long, like, by the end, you're ready for it to wrap up because there's just not much happening. Mm -hmm. It all falls onto the story, basically. And it's like the story is this slow build. There's no shocks or surprises at what's coming. It's like, I'm playing as this painter. I need to finish the painting. And when I finish the painting, the game will end. And that's pretty much how it all plays out in the end. Um, and then there, like I mentioned, the ghost chasing sequences where you use the lantern or the flashlight to temporarily dissolve the ghost. There are some times where you don't even know you're being chased mm. and you just turn around and the ghost is there and you just faint. And it's like, wait a minute, like, shouldn't there have been like an audio cue or something? Like, there's little yeah, the, things missing. The painter voice, he's done like 130 games. Yeah. Like he's not it's new. not the painter. It was yeah. um, that particular one I'm talking about was a female voice. It was actually the, the writer that said it and she just read it straight off of the script grammatical errors and all i was like what the hell um also much like the bunker the sound design in this is really good 
Um, the directional sound. Uh, that's one thing I will say is when you're running away from the ghosts, there's some times where, and these are the best sections of the game, I would add. You get placed in an area with the ghost, and there's a network of hallways, and you need to collect like three things while you're being chased. Those are the best segments of the entire game, honestly. And you can use the location-based sound in that to figure out where the ghost is. Because again, it's like a network of hallways. It's not just like a linear path you're running through. And that does help you stay away from the ghost. So Yeah, the, the writer has only done this in a, in a uh, horror podcast series. So maybe not senior enough to be. She may be like, you know what? I'm just gonna read, but you know, their voice person didn't pick up on it. Yeah, that's the voice director. It's awful. It's really terrible. Um, The game does look great. It sounds great, but I just honestly just don't think there was a lot to work with here. You do get both of the games. You get all the DLC, and again, it is kind of wrapped up in this new wrapper where you play as the writer. Um, So there are sort of like there's extra content in this that, you know, weren't in the base games. It is the complete edition. And again, the definitive version of this. So if you ever have interest in playing it, I recommend it. Would I recommend picking it up if you played it already? No, the improvements aren't enough to play it again. Would I just recommend this to people to play in general? I mean, I definitely recommend the Amnesia the Bunker over this just to throw it out there. Um, I think this is $30. Um, but you are getting like two games and there's like, you know, 13 to 15 hours of gameplay ultimately. So probably that's a, that's the right price for what you're getting. Um, but I just, you know, it's a horror game that isn't scary. I mean, that's a huge problem. Welcome to my world. Yeah, because you don't find any of them scary. Not really, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. This one's at least kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. I do wonder why they did this. It almost feels like it, they're like, you know what? We need to work on Unreal Engine 5 and learn how to use it. Let's, yeah, maybe. let's do a project that we know. It's not like there was a huge clamor for Layers of Fear to be Yeah, updated. to be remade. I, so I'm not quite sure why it was done. I mean, I understand from an artist perspective, you're like, you know what? I want to create this definitive version of whatever it was that I created. Yeah. But, but like, fiscally and financially, was it smart? I think you're probably mm. right that it was basically like, let's get familiar with the Unreal Engine 5. Yeah project and look they do have a good engine now so you know it should pay dividends on down the road so maybe not necessarily do they need to make you know a ton of money off of this for it to actually pay dividends worthwhile dividends for them um, as they create games in the future um but yeah it it plays it doesn't look like it but it plays like a horror game from 2016 Mm. and that's probably the thing they should have worked on more was the actual playing of the game instead of how the game looked and sounded um but anyway there you go Layers of Fear, it's actually 30 bucks, and uh, two full games in one, plus all the DLC, plus the quality of life stuff, um, plus the extra wrapper, the Animus-like stuff with the writer. And there you go. Any questions about that, Matt? Nope. Yeah. Um, so you said you didn't finish the original one? No. Yeah. Okay. Horror games bore me very quickly. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, that one would definitely yeah. bore you. The Bunker, not quite as much because there's tension there like constantly so mm. and there you go but the tension and things like that mostly just annoy me mm-hmm. i'm just like why don't you just hit it like yeah like, it's, it's, you know it's, i get that yeah i don't really like nemesis in the resident evil games like no. at first it's exciting and then it's it sort just of an interruption yeah. yeah yeah i hear you i think alien isolation is one of the only games that really worked for me and even that game was too long yeah uh well there you go that's game phase 347 we got all those games in all seven topics made it into the show. I wasn't sure if we'd be able to do it, but we did. Um, a, a reminder, we're not here next week. We do not have a live stream for Game Face next week. Matt can't do the show, but we have a secret co-host that is going to do the show. But again, it's pre-recorded. 
and it will be live for our patrons on Wednesday morning, just like Game Face always is. Look forward to that. And then we'll have Matt back the week after that. Um, June has been awesome, by the way. Just mm-hmm. great for games and not E3. It's just been a great month. Hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have. Uh, before we go, again, I want to thank LS Cream, our sponsors. Go to creamls.com slash sifted, S-I-F-T-D. You can get drink recipes there. Learn about the liquor. Learn about the awesome person who created the liquor. Um, just It's more than just a liquor website. You can also figure out where to buy it locally, where to get it on BevMo and other online retailers. Just a really, really great resource. Again, just redone. Website looks awesome. Uh, go to creamls.com slash sifted. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're listening on any of the podcast services, you've been doing it too long, it's time for you to go to patreon.com slash sifted and contribute. Uh, help keep this going. We've been relying on the same people to float the boat for way too long. It's time for you to get off the sidelines. It's time for you to support Sifted. And that's all I'm going to say. Go to patreon.com slash sifted. If you like what we're doing and you watch our show every week, it's time. It's time. What more do we have to prove to you guys? Obviously, you love the show at this point. Go to patreon.com slash sifted and drop us a pledge. Even a dollar just to say thanks. A dollar a month. Come on. You can't give us a dollar a month for us giving, what, 15, 20 hours of entertainment a month? You spend that six times that much on a cup of coffee today that lasted you 90 seconds. Come on. Give us some, give us some help. We need it. <laughs> um, so anyway, don't forget... No live show next Tuesday. Make sure you're not here. I'll try to jump in in the chat because people will forget and they'll be here anyway. So I'll try to remember to jump in chat and uh, let people know again that we're not doing a show. But um, thank you, Matt. We'll miss you next week, but we'll see you in a couple weeks. And thanks to all you guys, all the people on our chat who support us, who make the show better, who correct us in real time. You guys are invaluable. We love you all very much. And of course, we love all our patrons at patreon.com. So you guys have yourself a great day and week. And go buy Final Fantasy 16. Game Face is up and out.